So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make ten men feel like a hundred I'll take the next chance and the next you're rebels aren't you Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzle Cast, welcome to a brand new Bizzle Cast commentary. And yes, it is Star Wars. But yes, I still have... I'm sorry, it is not Star Wars, but I do still have Simi Klimo here for our first non-Star Wars podcast, which has been a long time coming. It, this is the commentary for V for Vendetta from 2005. Before we get any further on this amazing and really fascinating movie, welcome back to the Bizzlecast, my man, Simi. Dude, thanks for having me. I hope we all remember, remember the 5th of November. But... Uh, it's funny that you you had this Freudian slip in the beginning about like saying it's Star Wars because like I think I've pigeonholed myself even to just being uh, just Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars when like the, I do have like all these other uh, branches that I'd love to get into with you. And I know we've talked about a few of them, but this is uh, this is our Nat- Natalie affair. This is this is um, this is a continuation of you know, her genius. And, and actually it's a good, uh, segue coming from, uh, you know, just doing one of the prequels to, as you were saying that they trashed her for the prequels and then she did this and, you know, now they thought she was doing all right. And look at her now, look at our girl now. So I'm really excited to do this. I'm excited to step out of our, uh, star Wars bubble and, uh, you know, dive into some more fun. Absolutely. Um, and there was a few reasons, guys, that led to this, other than just Natalie, including the director, um, James McTeague, who's the assistant director on Attack of the Clones, which we'll get back to in one second, including the fact that, obviously, while we talk so much about the Star Wars prequels and we're even doing our commentary, Simi, you have to talk about the Lord of the Rings and Matrix trilogies, which were going on at the same time to varying levels of success and reception, um, you know, in, in comparison to uh, uh to, st- to star wars obviously but guys about attack of the clones simmy i feel like publicly i owe you a little bit of an apology here not that i regret anything i said on our attack of the clones podcast but i did specifically say i was going to try and be more positive and not go off on how much i dislike the movie and i failed at both of those things and so i don't regret what i said for those reasons i do apologize my friend I yeah, your apology is, is accepted, although not needed. I felt that I needed to apologize just because I found myself just drinking more and more to try to find some more fun in it, and I was almost drinking myself into a quietly like coma of 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 slumber because yeah. of the lack of simulation that we were we were watching and. Um, yeah, we just really needed to cleanse the palate. We're going to step away from Star Wars, stick with our girl, 
and uh, you know do something fun. I feel like this is um, you know this is this is a lot of sugar for the medicine we just like uh, gulped down for the uh, the colonoscopy, if you will. So this yeah. is our Sunday. <clears throat> this is our chocolate Sunday. So I'm really excited for it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know. This did keep coming up in regards to Natalie, uh, because as I have been saying, and we will certainly talk about here, this was sort of the 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 bomb or the salve on the wounds of let's be honest, what started as an unbelievably forward looking and empowered young woman in Phantom Menace, as I said to Jedi Geek Girl, man, who loves Padme, she couldn't disagree when I said George Lucas, when the character of Padme shat all over her in the writing of Revenge of the Sith in particular, where she became dumb, disempowered, woman in refrigerator, completely naive, completely without agency, you know, died of a broken heart. I mean, all the worst things you could do to someone on the page and give it to an actress, he did to her. Uh, and I do love Revenge of the Sith. And so it was certainly great that she was able to rebound on a genre property and a sci-fi property, which, by the way, guys, she won a Saturn Award for her performance in this movie, which is from the science fiction community that gives it out to books like Dune and authors like John Scalzi of the modern age and so forth, gave her an award for this movie after, you know, nerds still to this day say Nellie Portman sucks or, or Padme sucks. Uh, we'll talk about more semi in the movie, but I, I did want to get a couple of ideas out in the intro here just to prepare people because this movie is so dense with goodness but about natalie do you agree that this was like it, it was both it was fortuitous but we feel good for her that she had this opportunity after whatever you think of the prequels both the mainstream and the press were crushing her after the prequels yeah i, I was always impressed that she was um that she's a child actress that stuck with it for so long and that she's uh you know, really turned into something really special versus a lot of other child actors that start as young as she did and had so much success as young as she did, you know, bomb. So I think maybe that was the, that was the formula that they were looking for her to, to get into, you know, they just thought mm. like, that, you know, uh, I, and I still don't understand why you haven't seen beautiful girls, but coming off of doing so much success from, from, uh, I mean, obviously more so from the professional, but also from Beautiful Girls and and other movies that she was able to continue as a working actress with lead, bulky, gaudy role. By gaudy, I don't mean flashy, but just you're the shit, and she's able to maintain as being the shit for so long that they they just thought it was natural. You know, she's she's barely in her twenties. She had a good run as it as a as a uh, preteen teen, and uh, you know, so that's the end of it. But you know, she actually she obviously proved that. It was really just the beginning. So, and this movie, as we'll talk about, shows what a really good script and an excellent direction can do for a young actress. But yeah, also, and, a, and yeah. a great and a great partner to bounce lines off of. I mean, the amount of acting. Hey, hey, dude, that, Hugo Weaving is no is nowhere nearly as good of an actor as Hayden Christensen. Come on, man, don't be disrespectful. <laughs> I wasn't going to oh, get into sorry. that. Oh, I was going oh, to just apologize too. I just apologize. I couldn't help Stop myself. Stop trashing Hayden. I love Stop you, Hayden. Sorry, it's not your fault. No, I was going to say, look, when you're acting, and not like I'm this big actor or something, but I, I, I studied in high school. Blah blah blah. I'm not something special, but I do know that when you're looking at a, a mask, you know, and asking for give and take. And asking for them to act with you, like that's a very difficult feat. 
you know, half of acting is is going through these lines with your partner and, and, and creating that moment. And he did a tremendous job, does a tremendous job in uh, in how he portrays this mime. Basically, he's he's miming like in terms of all facial expressions, all of acting is through this Frankenstein image that he's doing and creating where he's just this this uh, this body with no face. And so for her to be able to do her end to, 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 to read her lines into it and for him to be able to uh, do the level of acting that he always has done only without his facial expressions. Uh, you know, it's truly, it's truly a feat. It's a, an, it's an extraordinary feat that they're both doing and they do a, they do a great job together. I think it's great. I think it's beautiful. So I'm going to save this for the podcast partially because I don't have the details immediately in front of me and partially because I want to save it, which is Hugo Weaving was a recast fairly re- late in the process. Interesting. I did not know that. Yes. Who was and, the original? Uh, I'm going to save that for the, for the podcast. Okay. Um, but the point being, it's possible Natalie Portman acted across two V's, which again puts the lie to this theory that reshoots somehow destroy a movie. Um, Rogue One was almost completely reshot from a dialogue standpoint. <laughs> And it was much better than the original shoot. It looks seamless if, if you if you give yourself to it. And I was listening to some Star Wars podcasters say, "Man, then we'll give final intro thoughts and, and and lead the people in." Which was, you know, they were opining about this Han Solo's failure, and you know, oh, they should have given it to Ron Howard from the beginning. And look what happens with all these reshoots. And Rogue One had these terrible reshoots. And then my my boy Tim, who I've been on the podcast numerous times, pointed out the obvious, which was. Rogue One is the only movie that most Star Wars fans agree was great, and the one movie with no production problems in the modern of the four was The Last Jedi, had zero production problems from beginning to end, and is the most controversial and divisive of the movies. So sometimes shaking things up isn't the worst thing in the world, you know? And yeah, Sometimes you don't need to really uh, sit down... And rock the boat. Life you isn't perfect. Rocking, right? Life, life is perfect. And films aren't boat. perfect. Yeah, life isn't perfect, and films aren't perfect. You go back and, and takes, his, yeah, good. No, I, I was just going to say it takes a lot to be able to make those choices when they made them. Most people would just go with the way the canvas looked. They wouldn't, you know, <laughs> tear off part of it and start afresh. You know, start a new. They they wouldn't do it. So to be able to be like, this isn't working. This isn't what we wanted. This isn't what we had hoped for. We need to do something different. At any of those stages, is is big and professional to be able to to stick with your gut and know know what's right and know what's wrong from the vision that you see. All right. So we've introduced Natalie. We've introduced some of the connections. We'll go into it more. But Timmy, I think we should introduce the two other themes that you and I. Um, uh, uh, I mean, there'll be more than two, but two that we specifically discussed that we want to talk about. One is politics, and one is the connection with The Matrix as being a product of the Wachowskis, directed by their handpicked successor, James McTeague, who was also George Lucas's number two on Attack of the Clones, another connection, uh, but was the was their number two, uh, or number one, however you want to say it, their, their first assistant director on The Matrix movies. Um, and one of the themes that, that, that I'll certainly be talking about is not just the influence of this at 
as a, a revamped, revisionist version of The Matrix, including early on where it's almost beat for beat with the beginning of the original Matrix with EV and V, uh, but um, the way it flips it's on its head, but also by grounding it in mostly the modern day, you know, and on, in, on Earth, but with more human connections and less pretentious philosophy and focusing in on the human issues and the political issues achieves things that a lot of people think I necessarily agree with this because they were going for different things, but a lot of people say, you know, this is what the Matrix sequels were trying to do, and it's this is the end product here is more relatable and more human and more more lasting and so forth. So we'll, we'll assess that it goes on. Uh, the other one is the political themes, man. I want to throw to you, and I, again, let's let's save our best material for the podcast. But it just um, some of the stuff we talked about. If you would just introduce sort of some political ideas we were throwing around, and then we'll uh, get into this thing. Sure. I, I don't want to get into some of the main topics, but yeah. it's just an obvious broadly, parallel. Broadly. Yeah, yeah, it's an obvious parallel to our current uh, state of the nation. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, I actually watched this movie perhaps maybe a day or two after Trump was elected because that's all I could think about. That's all, the, you know, what he stood for, what he stands for. That That's all I could think about the society um, that, that he was creating is, is the U.S is 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 exactly kind of what this uh this movie is and and it was all the fears of uh the media coming together and that aspect of this movie and control of the media and that's what you know donald trump always has been he's been a, a media icon um and able to create good media for himself to create to carve himself out a career and then all of a sudden he has all this power so it's very interesting in parallel to this uh, utopian world that they create and uh, very similar. And there's a lot of parallels. So I, I just, uh, you know, I'm going to try not to get too political into it. I'm really just going to try to point out certain things in the movie that I see happening now in terms of a fascist direction, authoritarianism, uh, and all these themes throughout the, this uh, incredible document. I mean, movie. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> guys, we're going to lead you in uh, just to just to put a uh, a point on 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 Simi's point. I guess uh, it was just that um, one thing we're going to be talking about is when this came out. It was in the heart of Bush in the Iraq controversy and the Patriot Act and so forth. At the time, it was blamed. We'll go more into this. It, it was it was accused by not only the conservative uh, population and not only film critics, but the writer of the original comics himself, who had nothing to do with this film production, of being just a blatant anti-Bush tale. And what Simi and I think are going to argue is, as Simi astutely already laid the groundwork for, it's really more of an anti-Trump movie, even though this happened 10 years before that, um, or this, I should say, because we're still in this this goddamn morass of sh- bullshit. Um, so, yeah, man, I mean, it's going to be less being, like, political in the sense of taking sides and more of a historical perspective on politics. Uh, and absolutely, and, that, and, and history is to repeat itself uh, not like a circle, but as a pendulum of a clock. So it, mm-hmm. you know, it's going backwards and forwards constantly. We see strides and and uh, uh, in countries you'd never thought they're allowing gay marriage. They're allowing gay marriage, and, and and here in this country we're talking about getting rid of it. And and you'll see those parallels also uh, with homosexuality, anti-Muslim, uh, anti-gay, anti-everything that's not you know, straight edge, you know, white bread in this movie. Um, 
So uh, there's some incredible parallels. It's going to be fun to get into it. Um, and uh, there's some obvious ones that we won't get into, and there's some other ones that I hope I'm not beating the dead horse. But uh, it's really a, a great piece of work. Absolutely. And that last that last thought there, you know, is of course one of the reasons we want to do this. It's not just because it's not Star Wars, but because we just want to watch a film as a film. And you know, Sammy, we, we'll we'll assess whether this holds up as a film. It has all those other things we've talked about. So it'll be great to do just some great. I mean, we're always bringing in film theory stuff to all the Star Wars movies, but this this will be both a nice change of pace and also work in some of the theories that you and I have been sort of building together along the way. Absolutely. All right, folks. So you know the deal. If you don't, we'll go through it really quickly here. You want to go to 000 on your DVD, Blu-ray, digital file. I'm going to count from three to two to one. I'm going to say the word go. When I say go, you will hit play with us and it should line up really nice. You might want some subtitles, a little ambient sound. Uh, leave that up to you. So uh, Simi is going to sort of count us in for the first six, uh, seven seconds or so. So We all are aligned with each other. So Simi, uh, you good on your end? I am Roger, Roger, okay. ready to go. You had you had to bring up the Roger Rogers, didn't you? Roger Roger. <laughs> okay, guys, here comes the countdown. Pause if you have to. And uh, dude, really pumped about doing this movie with you. I'm not gonna lie. Let's do it. All right, here comes the countdown, guys. And three, two, one, go. One. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Warner Brother Pictures. Yes. DC Notice Comics. how old it looks, by the way. They're making this look like it's from the, the fascistic days. I just love how people forget that it is actually a DC comic. This is actually maybe one of the better DC comic movies other than the uh, original Batmans that uh, is out there. They've had some trouble making their movies really tick, if you will. As a dark DC movie, this movie puts Batman v Superman to shame. Here we go. Oh, absolutely. So... Guys, I'm not going to say anything about the recently released Felicity Jones trailer for On Basis of Sex. I'm slightly disappointed. I will say, Natalie Portman's British accent is better than Felicity Jones' American accent. (laughs) I love this beginning. Great. And this is historical, by the way, guys. I mean, this whole comic book is based on a very real historical event with Guy Fawkes. And I love how she narrates... And I do love her. I love her British accent. Fuck that. Like, she's great. And this, she's, oh, she's, yeah. she's, she's done it in multiple job. movies. She's in the um, Henry VIII movie with Scarlett and Eric Bana, which was decent. The other Berlin girl. Oh, dude, talk about heavy hitters. Where Hen- Eric Bana is juggling Scarlett Johansson and Dolly Portman as Henry VIII. My God. Oh, man. Yeah. Lucky man. This is important. The this idea. is shot exactly like what movie at this around this time is to me. Right. So the idea of what he represented was more important than than the man, and the and it was it wasn't just a man, but mm-hmm. who was the man? You know, and it's just a great 
ironic mm-hmm. grapple with uh, with rebellion, with freedom, with with everything. I I, I, I I'm excited. This is great. Oh, we yeah. deserve this. And by the way, Guy Fox <laughs> 400 years ago was actually bl- gonna blow Parliament like with bombs, old school bombs. Here we go. The uh, Bill O'Reilly of 2005 in V for Vendetta, right here. I'd even say Sean Hannity, because but 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 very much empowering, well, uh, then, embodying both guys. Now it's Hannity. Then O'Reilly was number one. Right, right, right. Then, not that O'Reilly wasn't number one very recently until he finally got in trouble for you know sexually harassing women, of course. So God, uh, she's gorgeous. James Purfoy was originally supposed to play the role of V, but they stopped six weeks in. So actually, they ended up reshooting the whole movie pretty early on, so it wasn't that big of a deal with uh, with Hugo Weaving. His voice is just absolutely incredible. It's just completely captivating. Like I wish mm-hmm. he was a professor of mine. It, like, some people rumored that he said he was really annoyed being behind the mask the whole time. He claims it was liberating and he loved it. And I would uh, go on Hugo Weaving's side. Actors love challenges like this, especially ones like him. Also, I think there's something about uh, freedom when you're wearing a mask. Even uh, even if it, everybody knows who's behind it in reality, there's something about just putting on a mask and at some level, maybe it would be easier to become the character, but harder as an actor to, you know, you're a mime at some mm-hmm. level. Uh, you're, you're miming a lot of this, you, you know, at some level. You're a certain type of performing right. actor versus, you know, uh, through unity. unity through faith. Simi, this, this is Fox News. I've always thought this could exist in the same universe as Children of Men. It feels like the UK Children of Men almost. Like, yes. Like, like if V didn't accomplish his goal, it would lead to children of men kind of thing. Right. And uh, someone else I was talking about this movie with, and they brought up uh, Handmaiden's Tale. And other Mm -hmm. than this whole sterile theme in both Handmaiden's Tale and and Children of Men, Mm -hmm. you know, but I guess that's the next, you know, you start scaring and torturing people enough, they become sterile. I think that's what happens. That's how. So, okay, guys. With authoritarianism. So we've got Natalie on one hand and all these big themes on the other. To focus the narrative, Simi brought up a great point, which we'll follow through this creepy scene here and this great introduction of the main characters, uh, which, Simi, you talked about how, you know, how much, if anything, did V know about E.V. in terms of his plans or even knowing about her before this? I don't have an answer to it, so I'll throw it to you. Yeah, I was just wondering the whole time, like, she fits into his plot and all of you perfectly and you know what she represents and who she becomes so you know you're talking about the matrix and there was no it wasn't a coincidence that neo and trinity met and it wasn't a coincidence that morpheo and and neo met so you know they were looking for each other so is it just just a coincidence that that he just saves her life or was he looking for her in coincidence i believe in providence i believe in purpose morpheus exactly i'm gonna so be quoting he, the matrix a lot guys go ahead well i mean and neither does v God, oh. we may have to. Woo! Oh my God! Let him talk for a minute. I mean, okay, really quickly. The only thing I didn't like about this movie the very first time I saw it was it was very action packed in the beginning and at the end, and seemed slow in the middle. On repeat watchings, I love the action, but the middle of the movie is what makes it great. 
Right. I was going to say it's not action packed, but it's full of mystery, which is like it's which is constantly unraveling. But also, I was I was telling somebody about this today, and I'm like, it's very gory at some level. You know, it's uh, you know, see, yeah, no, okay. I was going to say it's not like you know you see them get stabbed. (laughs) You know, it's not like in some movies where you just see someone get shot and they fall. Yeah. Guys, there's a reason this rated R. There's a reason this is a Vertigo imprint of DC, and there's a reason we, unfortunately, other than Deadpool and Logan, finally, but it's been a while we've gotten good rated R comic book movies. And you know, it, it's so funny that like I bet you they that this was originally at some level going to be a cartoon, you know, and they were like, "Can we do it like this?" You know, or, or they wanted to make it was easier to do it as a cartoon, you know, but why not make this the way it's supposed to be, you know, and it. Stop. The paradox of asking a masked man who he is. That's the best. Okay, guys. So here's what we are not going to talk about. We are not going to talk about Alan Moore or the original Alan Moore novel because I don't know if either of us have read it. And I know a little bit more than Alan Moore than you do. He's a controversial dude. But we're talking about the movie version of it. So if you guys have read the comic book and you love it, great. That's a separate discussion. I do want to get this into that. No uh, this is the vestige of the Vox Populi, now vacant, vanished. <laughs> oh, God, I love it. This is re- he just freestyling, or this is how he talks? No. He's a Shakespearean actor. He, can, he could memorize th- five movies worth of this shit. Violation of volition. That is the entire point of the whole movie, is a violation of volition. The, the, and this is what The Matrix is about, too, man, is, is the, the control over free will and free choice. I wonder about you're a sound guy. I wonder about how they took the sound. Oh, they know? recorded. He he said everything live, and she's responding to it. But they recorded him in the studio later. Right to to just dub over. Mm-hmm. Right. You a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think. Evie, right. Uh, I wanted to ask you about this. So he's V and she's Evie. So what does E stand for? The evolved V? The effervescent V? Um, I mean, I, I think it's because the letters are next to each other. E and Evie, like you are, and then E and V. Like, of course, we'd be next to each other. Of course, we're together. I don't know. Yeah, I think he said something else on about it. I think the fact they restrict this to London makes the question of what he knows about her impossible to discern, and that's great in the sense of they're living in a big village, so he might be taking notice of people, he might not. You know what I mean? I don't think we're meant to know one way or the other. I think that was a great choice. I'm going to look for that throughout any other clues. Yeah, we should, but I know for sure there's no, her. like... You know, mask revealing moments, so to speak, at the end, where he was like, "I've actually been watching you this whole time." Right? Blah, 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 yeah, blah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that I know. But which it's is just, great rating. Which is great rating. Like you know, like yeah. It's just like how did they, you know, how did the by chance, you know, the person that he needed most, eventually, uh, maybe he was just looking for maybe that. I think I think you have a good theory of it that. He was he needed a, an accomplice to do certain things at some level, and I think he had planned mm. to create who she becomes at some level. And you know, I think perhaps he was 
following her as a one of the people because that's the main thing he's been following the people and the people are oppressed so he needs to he wants to get his vengeance but he also wants to free the people from the tyranny that you know was ultimately uh part of his demise okay can i bring in a film thing here the way this is shot yeah remember we're talking about the attack of the clones the few really good shots of characters i compared to lord of the rings Peter Jackson knew what he was doing. You shoot right up in on these characters with cool but faint backgrounds, right? And you just let them emote, even if it's a mask. They're constantly shooting right up on V's face. Oh! Or hers, right. Taking their reaction. I mean, you don't need to be a genius filmmaker to shoot in on Nellie Portman's face constantly. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. She does look different in this movie, though. Right? Her hair. Oh, God. John Hurt. Oh, he's so good. He is so good. This is exactly what you think the 1984 guy, like from the George Orwell 1984 guy's face on your television screen would look like. Is this guy right here. It's brilliant. I love the detective. I'm going to pull up his name, Simmy. I love the detective subplot in this movie, even though it's ultimately irrelevant. It's a great way to for the the viewer. It's an amazing device for the viewer to learn about V without giving everything at once, even while we're spending time with him. The detective is Rupert Graves. Stephen Ray. Stephen Ray, a fam- another famous British actor. Oh, Finch. Rupert Graves is Dominic. Yeah. Right. John Hurt as the Chancellor here. God, he's so good. Adam Sutler. Hurt is such a chameleon. He can do anything. Got I mean, rest in peace. You know, I, I wish there was more crossover in British cinema. I mean, it's been happening a lot more, and you see that it's been happening a lot everywhere, but I wish there was I don't know. I mean, there's the BBC, right? And then there's a couple crossover actors, but there aren't a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. So, Simi... We talked about the Star Wars British crossover, you know, and, and UK yeah. crossover and how popular it is. And there's all these great... I, I love the Harry Potter crossover. Well, yeah. there's no American actors. Yeah. Well, and Other look, than Sirius. I, again, as I'm already starting my defense of Felicity, it's way easier for an American to pull off a... F- mildly british accent than to pull off a brooklyn jewish accent as an english woman whatever um, I, w- I always love listening to british people's american accents they're almost always terrible and that's what my was my one worry about felicity my only concern was she wouldn't nail the brooklyn jewish accent but. see back into chaos make america great again yeah Otherwise, i really want them to understand what terror this- means but do, do, do you notice how the the parliament here so to speak the council gets more and more skeptical as the movie goes on is a very actually optimistic thing in a dark movie. And Simi, I'm often accused of liking dark movies, but I actually like movies that are dark scenarios, even really dark, like Children of Men, but what the soul is actually hopeful. You know what I mean? And the fact, we'll get to the end here, but the fact that what happens at the end here happens is actually a pretty optimistic vision of humanity, but we'll build to that. I love how... This always reminds me when these, these media clips remind me of when uh, Trump made all those media outlets do that like uniform speech about being not not being fake news and all that nonsense. Like, you know, they're all just like making shit up to like mm-hmm. make the president seem not incompetent, mm-hmm. which is exactly what mm-hmm. 
this administration constantly does. They so, just make shit up to make him not seem that he is. So little things. You know, we talk about in Star Wars, Lucas was like, some of the technological aesthetics are weirdly similar to stuff we still have today. The little Bluetooth thing she's wearing in her ear still totally practical by today's standard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most mini blue most mini Bluetooth pieces still suck today. We have trouble with Bluetooth technology. That's exactly what someone like her would wear. This is always confusing going between the offices here, and this is this is what throws me off, Simi, about what the. V's true intentions and knowledge is is cutting between these scenes and not sure where everyone is. So this guy here is another. This guy's amazing. He's he's the turning point of the film for a lot, right? For a lot of reasons. Absolutely. I mean, his eventual reveal, spoiler alert, of like who he really is, and then their relationship and how she tries, how he tries to help her, and his eventual demise. You know, there. It's maybe maybe. Maybe he did find her for her access, you know, like she he knew she it, it can't be a coincidence that of all this media shit that he's fighting and she works for one of the be- biggest media outlets in the one of the biggest uh, media firms that like he's controlling, you know, so I'm going to bring in and remember all our talk about I listened to our Star Wars commentary, uh, New Hope commentary. Uh, and all our talk about the Obi-Wan prophecy, what did he know, how much manipulation was there. I'm going to save that until the post-prison reveal later with the notes and stuff. But I have some interesting theories that might back up that he's been watching her more closely than we might think. Right. Look at this. You don't see this in Spider-Man, kids. No. I love how easily this plan plays out, too. Do you remember I mentioned in the uh, Attack of the Clones commentary that Natalie's one of those actresses that, while brilliant, you can tell when she's comfortable and when she's uncomfortable? Like, yes. as an actress, she is yes. straight up comfortable this entire movie. And I think the combination of Hugo Weaving and the Matrix brain trust made her feel comfortable in this role. The same way working with, um, what's his face, uh, the Shakespearean director who directed Thor 1, she's so comfortable in the first Thor movie. I think this character is also someone who she sees herself as. I think it's much harder for her to like imagine Thor and even though she did a great job in it, but imagine like herself as, you know, alongside this mythical character oh, versus It's great. Versus imagine herself alongside a guy like this and leading the cause like this cuz it's already something she's trying to do, especially with her stance on Israel. So were you at the time or have you since been at all thinking about the connections between this and the matrix considering the, 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 they were produced by the same people made by the same people and share similar themes? I, I thought, I thought the theme, like you said, the, the theme in this is just much more outright because it's the media is the main thing and how it, to me, at least the media is the main thing. Okay. It but wait, think about Neo getting media. the FedEx package with the phone right here. Okay. Think about that scene with Morpheus guiding him through the phone. No, you're right. 
You're right. Just, now that you've said yeah. it, it's much more fun to watch those parallels. But I didn't. I didn't even think yeah. about it other than the fact. Oh, I that, should say to the fans. Sorry, uh, man. So Simi and I talked about some of these teams again. We, I mean, I mentioned the Matrix, but guys, think about EV as a d- different version of Neo and V as a different version of Morpheus. Although he's got some Smith to him too. Obviously, being Smith, which is even more cool. That was the extra meta component. Was you've got Smith being a good guy in this movie, but he's still twisted. Is great. Well, I, who who is he to you? But is he? As uh, we've discussed, looks can be deceiving, which brings me to my next point. Oh my god, I go. Forever. Is he is he Smith or Elrond to you? He's Smith. He's Smith. The fact that he pulls off Elrond is incredible. But yeah, the way Christopher Lee is Saruman, he's Smith. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, you. you you may yeah, not love I mean, the three Matrix movies, but you can't even get through them without Smith. He's the entire point of the second two movies from a plot standpoint. Maybe maybe it's just because I like the... I mean, I don't love the Hobbit movies, but I like them. And yes. I, well, you're like uh, most people in your balance of liking Lord of the Rings a lot more than the Matrix movies. I, I know the Matrix movies right. are, are well, way more flawed than Lord of the Rings, but I know them very well. Oh, here we go. All right, I'll let you comment on this. Well, I mean... He in this day and age, right now, as we have it, he'd be allowed to do whatever he wants, and he could, he could relay his mm-hmm. uh, message across the board to whoever he wants. Mm-hmm. But what the president right now wants is for certain people to be not allowed, for certain media outlets to not allowed to talk about what they want to talk about, and that's exactly what this, you know, this, utopian society yeah. is portraying that they they are not allowed to have their own broadcast. So right now, yes, we're all free. Everything's great. We could go on a YouTube channel right now and I could I could do Facebook Live and I could I could do what V is doing and it wouldn't matter. But what he's doing and the way he's doing it is not too far away from what we're facing in terms of the way this regime would want it to be. He would not want anyone to just go out and talk about, you know, him or about his decisions in shitty light. And, you know, he goes around saying, this is fake news, this is fake news, they should be able to be tried for this treasonous way they talk about me, and blah, 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 blah. And that's literally what we have here in this society that they've created. So it's, it's scary that we have a president that would love to be, you know, just like this prime minister. Dude, you know what just occurred to me I'd never thought before? Hmm. This is if you completely flipped upside down, reversed, and did the opposing version of the Truman Show. He's Truman. He's the reverse Truman. Look at these <laughs> shots of going into all the people's living rooms, the old people's homes, the bars. It's just like all those shots from the Truman Show, or you see and then people's he keeps reacting. going back and forth into those same homes, and there's yeah. all these people play. But roles Truman's later communicating them with them without knowing, whereas he's manipulating the whole situation from above the media as opposed to below. That's it. funny. I, I literally again, just thought of that. I'm not just dropping that. I was like, oh my god, this just this is shot kind of like the Truman Show. And that was also a reverse of controlling just one person, but versus controlling everybody. Also, you know? that movie underrated, <laughs> not in terms of its time. That movie holds up great and is brilliant as a Truman Show. Oh, it holds up, and you can think about that forever. Like, have you? I mean, have you ever just thought about like, am I on the Truman? <laughs> that came out before reality TV. And That's like, incredible. You know what? Here's the other comparison. Like Truman Show came out before reality TV is even more relevant now. This came before Trumpism is even more relevant now. 
It's this so is the person we need so talking relevant. to the nation. And look how ready the people are already for his message, which is important to set up that he has a chance early on in the movie. You know, I didn't like that movie Fahrenheit 451. Have you had a chance to see it? I don't know if I've watched any movie versions because I, I love the book. So I didn't like the movie. And, and uh, well, there's that new movie version on Netflix, isn't it? HBO? Is it HBO or Netflix? I know HBO is doing a version. I don't know if it's out. Look at all the cameras. Look at that. But that was something where I liked the concept more than I liked what So this happened. is like, like Trinity, I- right? This is like Trinity at the beginning of The Matrix. Maybe the greatest opening scene of any movie ever. No, officer, your men are already dead. That's great. Here we go. By the way, I want to point out how realistic the violence is in the entire movie up until the final fight, which is blatantly comic booky on purpose. But we'll get to that. And the, I do the like- fake blood at the end is fantastic because it's intentional. Up uh, and this is teasing the end with everyone wearing the suits. It's brilliant. He's the only smart one that realizes what's going on before everybody yep. else does. So, dude, I said this was could be in the same universe as Children of Men. But this is actually the reversal of Children of Men. Children of Men, everyone is so selfish looking out for themselves that society descends into chaos. Here, the form of, uh, of, of unity. free will, unity, and conformity, uh, at least at first with the masks and stuff, brings people together. I just love the fight that he riles up in people and the promises that he's making. You know, like yeah. he's telling them, like, change not only needs to happen, but change is going to happen. I guess my theory was Children of Men is this society without V, without V in, in, intervening. You know, what? one of my least favorite things and favorite things about Children of Men, uh, the, the, it's the, too sand, perfect the that it makes you sad. No, the flip flops. The uh, whole time he's wearing uh, a no fucking shoes. Pair of he's got no shoes. Yeah. He's got no fucking shoes. Like I don't care what kind of a you know superhero uh, marine you are. Like you know, at some point with no fucking oh. shoes, like oh. <laughs> look at the blood. It's great. By the way, the you won't even believe it when you watch it, man. Matrix movies are rated R. And there's almost no blood and no F words, and they still got an R rating. There's some blood. Really? This movie is way bloodier. That guy's a famous actor, too. What is, what's his name? The sidekick. The other... Um, and uh, Rupert Graves. Stephen Fry, who plays Gordon Dietrich, the gay friend of hers, is also a famous actor. This is a great cast. D- I mean, it's not plays, a Harry Potter-level uh, cast, but it's close. Dietrich. Hugo Weaving is uh, Australian. Yes. So it's just her that's American, no? <laughs> She's like Barbara Gordon for all you deep cut Oracle Batgirl fans out there with the pepper spray. See, okay, well, that look, hold on. That look on his face right there makes me think he's just thinking about his plan there for the first time, but I could be wrong. Yeah, my my personal opinion is it, he didn't expect to see her again, but now his brain's working. But I'm open to the interpretation that there was an earlier plan. 
I just think like they, they, he calls it a message of hate. Like they're just trying to shit on him and shit on him and shit of it. But it's the same kind of thing. You're fake news. You're fake news. You're fake news. You know, he's delivering a message of hate. That's not what he delivered. That was not a message of hate. It was a message of just dis, 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 uh, disagreement. And that's that's you know I had a conversation with someone's <laughs> brother who's a, a Trumper. The, sorry, that's the Truman Show shot of the the bikers in the bar watching. <laughs> oh, here it is. Look at this. You know, this also reminds me of the Hunger Games. I mean, like all, that just reminded me of like when they're like the um, the Mockingjay is now. You know, dead. I have trouble watching the Hunger Games. Do you remember how we talked like, about Attack of the Clones with like twenty, thirty percent bump? Some veterans off uh-huh. the bench would have been great. Mm-hmm. Hunger Games with twenty, thirty percent more brains behind the project would be amazing. I really like the books, so seeing seeing yeah, them come to life books. was fun. The but I do great. love Jennifer Lawrence. I think she's got the physicality. The second and third movies were okay, but I just okay. Here we go. Okay, okay. So, so here, was here's the other question. That's my cat hitting the mic. Uh, at what point is the start here or at what point is Evie like, I definitely have to get the fuck out of here here already. She's already, she, like, thinks, I gotta get she out thinks she's kidnapped. Okay. You know, and she's going to like deal with the situation because she does know he's not all bad and she did just get saved at some level. Um, you know, that, she got herself in a bad situation and she knows it. And she also knows she's a, she was on camera mm-hmm. getting herself in a bad situation. But she does feel kidnapped right now, I think. Yeah. So music being banned in dystopian societies is a very common theme. And it's not the people imitating each other, but it's the obvious thing to ban. Guess what? Al-Qaeda bans in all the countries they conquer in the Middle East and North Africa. They immediately ban local music. It's like the first thing. Right, because music is art, and as new music comes out, they're usually talking about and it's history. Culture. And it's this yeah. attachment to your own history that's not their narrative. This is a great song, too. Here we go. This is the first truly great scene of many great scenes in this movie. Look at her. So she feels like she's in a prison at some level, but she's in a museum, so it's a bit of a paradox. So, do you know what I think makes Natalie Portman beautiful? I mean, there's a lot of things. But I have some theories. I think it's her eyes, but what? Her, okay, her eyes always, number one. Her smile, <laughs> obviously. The, the birthmark, for sure. But the fact that her skin isn't perfect and is kind of rosy and fleshy and stuff, it shows expressiveness, makes her very relatable. Um, I love that with actresses. That's what I love with Carrie Fisher. And that's what I love with her. I know Lucas recognized those qualities from Carrie Fisher. She had kind of rosy cheeks, you know? Yeah. I mean, she uses it to her advantage. Look how flushed she is. I mean, I know there's, there's makeup going on, but you know, well, they take advantage. I don't think you're the first person to notice that she gets flushed. But, but that's but that's why she was successful as a child actress as the girl next door because she's beautiful but she does kind of look like the girl next door right that's literally what she plays in mm-hmm. beautiful girls and you still haven't seen that movie i know and i love michael rapaport so i gotta check it out it's crazy and matt Dillon, and uh there's one more big actor in it ethan not i, I haven't I, I haven't listened to bill simmons in a while but the michael rapaport appearances on simmons are must listen to I love him. He's hilarious. Both of the, I don't like Simmons that much. He's kind of a dick lately, but well, I, also I used to, can get I used to behind, like him. The thing is, 
New York sports fans are way more tolerable than Boston sports fans, who are completely intolerable. Because <laughs> New York sports fans are just like, yeah, we're New York. We expect to win. Boston says sports the fans, Philly are like, oh, fan. you all suck. No, it no, says no, 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 no. Most Philly fans would say they hate New York fans more. I hate Boston fans more. Plus, my two or three closest friends from college are all from Boston, and they're annoying ass Red Sox fans. No, I was saying that like the Philly fan, and I don't believe this because I like Philadelphia, so no knock on Philly, but the Philly fan is supposed to be the most ridiculously intolerant fan of anything. So for the Philly fan to be like, those guys are ridiculous, you know, is hilarious to me. <laughs> Boston are us that have just won more recently. But like, go back 20 years and they're as bad or worse than us and also haven't won anything. We're just bad because Boston keeps winning and we've only won a little. You attacked Santa Claus. We beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in, with an offensive barrage. You're welcome, America. Oh, my God. Look at her. Oh, I love the curly hair. That's the thing, man. I wish curly hair was in for a while, but now girls are straightening their hair again. I hate it. My sister has great curly hair. I always get mad at her for straightening her hair, but I don't know. This is one of my favorite things to make. This is great. Look at him in the apron. The fact that we didn't just laugh at this for being, I mean, look at this. You totally buy that he's been doing this for 20 years. Right. Well, and that you buy that he's doing this for her. Mm-hmm. Like he's wearing the whole thing because she's around. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by, the, by the way, really quickly, we're doing what I wanted to do. I just want to put out to the audience until we start getting information on screen about his history. We're not going to focus too much on it. Then we'll deal with it for now. I think Simi, we're doing the right thing and focusing on their relationship in the present. Go ahead. And how much fun this is. She's trying not to. You know that they're acting with each other because she's trying not to laugh at certain points or smile. You can tell she's having fun. I mean, what a relief this realism is. I know it's technically sci-fi, but it's very realistic. What a relief this must be after three prequel movies over like eight years in Australia. I want. I think they're glossing over something right here. So, like Mm -hmm. this, this right here. It's a very purposeful point also about music like you said earlier and now about butter it's about sustenance about like supplies Mm. so what are you forced to think it's like well if they don't use if they're not getting butter Mm. then what are they doing so they're probably getting some ridiculous like uh margarine type substance and i know this sounds like a stupid thing we're talking about or that i'm talking about but the fact that certain foods aren't obtainable and butter is a very healthy food. People think butters are all, butter's all fattening and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is like it's a very healthy, sustainable food that you, if, you, if you eat in moderation, it's The it's French eat like you. a ton of butter per person Correct. per year and they live like 90 years. Correct. Versus margarine never – sorry, guys. It doesn't pass through your system. It's, a, it's plastic. It's, it's not food. You know what I mean? So, so – for, for them to, to open that door as to what food is accessible and then realize that, you know, again, to the Hunger Games point that only the best of the best are getting butter. Well, then what are the masses eating? It's okay, like you're so, only forced to imagine garbage, you know? So this, Simi, this leads me. Sorry, I adjust my mic here. I apologize, guys. This leads While you me do to, that, was, first of all. I was, oh, sorry. Go ahead. First of all, guys. This is definitely not one of those you can listen to the podcast and not watch the movie. Please turn on Amazon Prime and watch the movie with us right now. We are where are you right now, Simi? Uh thirty-three. Okay. For about thirty-three 05. minutes, a little bit oh five. 
come watch the movie. Second thing is, Simi, I, I actually want to watch the scene, but I do want to talk about why some, why even though they're using a lot of tropes from dystopia movies, why some dystopia movies work better than others. Um, but I want to watch the scene first because this is exactly how I think Bill O'Reilly or Sean Hannity acts behind the scenes and what should happen to them. <laughs> and real quick, you just missed his cupboard full of goodies, which was literally yeah. hundreds of blues, this, reds, greens, yeah. ze- purples, whatever's in this utopian society. He has every drug known to man. And, you know, drugs are obviously illegal. Which, by the way, gold and purple are the colors of excess in science fiction and so forth. Yeah. The gold phone. Hey, we just saw nothing out. He just used Evie's. I know he actually says this later on. But this also adds what to our theory this? that he was maybe following Evie to get the uh, to get her card. Maybe that was one of the one things that attracted him to her. That eventually he'd need that type of access. This is awesome. By the way, if this were on <laughs> HBO today, he would be jerking off to himself watching the television. Yeah, this is I very tame by today's him, standards. I wish they made him a little fatter. You know, a little bit more Rush Limbaugh. You know, like, cause like they, you know, he's not, you know, he's old man overweight. He doesn't right, look but that we're not disgusting. supposed to really see him for the, right. We're supposed to see him as the media figure that he is, I guess is the idea. See, he sucked right. in his belly there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's vain. So well, who has that many fucking mirrors in their bathroom? Wait, unless well, you're wait, like, but back, 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 back up. How does he know who this guy is? How does he know V, even have a sniff of who V is? He must be, I forgot how embedded he, I mean, no, he was pro-government, but I didn't realize how much information he had. He also saw him and knew what he was. So I think, uh, I think, I think some of the inner circle always feared him coming back because they knew what they created. So this movie still is really cool without this subplot investigation but oh that looks be- disgusting by the way sorry go ahead no i hate vomit and stuff um oh. but but this this is what locks it up as a great movie is that they're able to nail what could be a very cliched and unimportant subplot i mean you know the the prequels are all about giving you political information that we don't really need here we learn that it's important why for political reasons? No. For character reasons. We want to know more because we want to know more about V. Right? That's how George Lucas fucked up with Anakin Skywalker. We didn't want to know right. more about the, the council and the parliament. We wanted to know more about Anakin. And here they I go mean, straight got- for the character studies with the main two characters. Actually, we end up learning way more about him than her. And this is a, this is a great parallel, too, for the Count of Monte Cristo to, uh, mm-hmm. to V. Have you read this? Alexander Damas, dumbass, if you will, from. Uh, so we've been introduced to music. Shawshank. Being banned. Uh, I was going to say movies are banned. I- I'm following your thought here, man. Um, I was saying movies are being banned, but she does end up seeing Monte- Count of Monte Cristo on TV, so I guess it's judged to be apolitical. Uh, she sees it later, but they do ban a lot of movies. And right. Simi, you know what a triple threat is when it comes to performers? looks brains no 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 not not that kind of triple threat funny <laughs> uh, come on be professional here no it's jump shot it's acting singing act acting singing dancing so uh, we've already been introduced to music now we've been introduced to film and what is his final dying wish essentially end up being 
to have a dance with her. Mm-hmm. Which is the ultimate human act of irrationality. There's no. Have you seen? Uh, yeah. Have you seen um, Ready Player One yet? I've read and listened to the audiobook. I, I don't really be interested in the movie. There's a cool scene about uh, a dance. Yeah, that's in the book. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I really like that, by the way. You should see it. I think it's very good. Prothero. Do you think that's a reference to Prospero from The Tempest? I don't know. This I love. See, that she knows is false. That's what always... This whole scene made me always think about uh, all the shit that Trump pulls right now. So, Simi, if if you have a guy wearing a mask half the movie, and he can't change the look or the eyes... You have to literally do everything through the camera shots. So, in addition to the brilliant script and the brilliant editing, every single shot of him has to be reflected to his mood and where he's looking and thinking based on the camera shot, not his face, because his face doesn't change. You know who did a great job with that? Uh, uh, Friday the 13th and Michael Myers, uh, both John Carpenter and... Uh, in in the fr- in the uh, this is Halloween it. series. No, and- sorry, I'm sorry, man. I don't interrupt you. This is where she. No, go she, ahead. She hasn't really been trying to escape until now. Once he openly admits that violence is good and he's killing these people, now now she wants to leave. I think for good. But but sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I was just going to say. I, mean, I didn't other- mean to interrupt you, but I I, I <laughs> felt bad about it. I did anyways. There's other type of uh, movies where that the, the main character is masked, and they I, I'm sure they took cues from that, and they do a great job with the music and the interactions with the characters. In horror movies, it's different, but we, I think those are two uh, the Jason movies with the Friday the Thirteenth and the uh, the Halloween movies with Mike Myers. I think you know all those characters ha- without any facial features are scary as fuck. Me? Simi, I love yeah. the Dark Knight movies as much as anybody, but we get more motion out of this V mask in this one movie than all the Dark Knight movies combined in terms of the masked parts of the Dark Knight movies. He's just yeah, angry in those movies when he's wearing the mask. You're right. It's one It's one emotion. The, the Dark Knight movies, other than the first one, uh, aren't my favorite. And did you see uh, Man of Steel? We saw Henry Cavill's Superman face Man the of- entire time. It didn't change. No emotion. I'll be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like Man of Steel, and I don't like any of the standalone Superman movies. I didn't mind Dawn of Justice the way some people did. I actually liked it. I actually kind of liked Suicide Squad, and I also kind of like, and I like uh, Justice League. Um, I like Justice League, and, uh, a and small I love part. I love, of, love, love. I was gonna say. It's too bad DC doesn't have a superhero to pin their hopes on, and their biggest mistake was not giving Gal Gadot the reins for Justice League and promoting her more. Every, all the fanboys are still excited about Aquaman and Shazam because they were too ashamed to embrace Wonder Woman as their hero. It's pathetic. Pathetic. It really is. Wonder Woman really is better is. than everything else DC's done since Dark Knight combined, easily. Hey, and shout out to HBO for keeping uh, Justice League and Wonder Woman Justice still on HBO. But Justice League had two things going for it. Joss Whedon reshooting half the movie and Wonder Woman. And, I also, and the new the characters one thing I didn't, were great. The Flash the was great. I, Cyborg was great. Yeah. 
I was just going to say the one thing I didn't like about uh, Suicide Squad was they the, what they did with Jared Leto. Like, I just like was they've like, already the kicked fuck? out the door and been replaced by Joaquin Phoenix. You mean? I like that idea, but I also don't. Oh no, it's happening. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix has been recast as the Joker. That's great. I mean, he's he'd be a great Joker. Wait, I just think on. it's a fa- it's a failure on. on their part. Hold on, here's the St. Mary's storyline. I always forget it comes this early. This is her this is her brother. Her brother was one of the kids who died in St. Mary's. Who was murdered on purpose by the High Chancellor. Which is essentially what happens in Children of Men. Well, they're creating their own news, you know, to, to rely they're on. They're taking a government. minor dystopia from the real world and making it to a major dystopia that they can manipulate, which is by the way, exactly what the machines like the architect in charge of the matrix were doing with the humans and the messiahs and the neos and so forth. This is a little foreshadowing to her own experience with, um, uh, with, uh, Der- what's his name? Stephen Fry's character. Sorry. Uh, uh, uh oh, st- um, yeah. The detective. Right. No, no, no. Oh, oh. Um, I love the part coming up. By the way, right here in this outfit with that hair, she looks like 10 years older. This looks like adult Natalie Portman right here, actually. It's interesting. And then they're about to make her look 15 years younger. Yep. <laughs> with the anime thing that most people didn't even get was an anime reference in 2005. I mean, guys, if you watch any anime, all the women look like that. <laughs> Speaking of anime references, I always, when they do those under the bed things, I always think about uh, Kill Bill and those scenes uh, from uh, Oshi Ren when, when her, mm-hmm. that, that anime scene, which is one of my favorite anime scenes in any movie. Mm-hmm. So really quickly, Simi, just to tie the loop around... So we talked about the Star Wars prequels, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the Matrix trilogy. The Lord of the Rings trilogy was the best trilogy from a movie-making standpoint, hands down. But it also was the easiest for people to get behind post-9-11 because it was the most seemingly removed from our circumstances, even though it was, Tolkien was making political commentary coming from World War I and II that still applies today, Right. So it's not it's understandable that this movie split people in 2005 when we were in the middle of is the Iraq war a good idea or not. I mean remember man, a lot of people including Democrats still thought that was a good idea at this point. You know what's hilarious that like we thought our freedoms were being infringed upon then. You know? Like when you think about not that I, I think George Bush was this <laughs> pheno- phenomenal president. Well, I actually remember I wrote a paper about how I thought it was bullshit that uh they were fu- funneling faith-based uh, money into faith-based programs from public schools so i was like how could they do this and like they're just you know recycling or restructuring the way school money is and now it's just like a an afterthought that of course that happens like i thought it was crazy that like my tax dollars go towards you know uh some sort of an organization that would fire a woman for being pregnant and out of wedlock so i wrote a paper about it and i thought like oh my god we're, we're being infringed upon so badly because of this and that not that that's not a bad thing but now you see you know uh black people being shot by police and you know the way women are treated and all these different things that have come to come to light man uh in the last uh so, last few years which, you have a president who speaks on them like uh, as if they're good things a, per- a little bit of personal uh business 
You went in your course, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. Point of order, guys. So Simi and I are very close to the same age, but because of how you know grades split up, he's a, technically a grade above me, even though we're basically the same age. Like Natalie Portman, Hayden Christensen, Justin Timberlake, Beyonce. Nineteen eighty one is a great year, man. We got the, we got um, what's the, the Princess of England? What's her name? Who went to Northwestern? Uh, who married Prince Harry? Um, Marquette, Meghan Markle. Uh, yeah. Meghan Markle. Yep, nineteen eighty one. But anyways, Simi spent a year in Israel. And you had the good fortune of spending the last peaceful year in Israel. And I had the good fortune of being there three weeks before the second Intifada started. We'll get back to that. Oh, okay. wait, wait. So I'll set yeah, mine real quick. Ahead, so when ahead, I ahead. went there, I went in 99 and left in 2000 before, um, before the Intifada started. It seemed started. like so peace was going to happen. We were talking about – so we had peace with Egypt. We had peace with Jordan. And these were normal vacation spots for all the Israelis. And we were talking about peace with Syria – like that's how close we were to peace. I was actually in it at the time, basically in. We thought it. We thought it when we first got there. The Camp David Accords was a failure. We still thought it, and the three weeks later, boom. Right, uh, October. What was it? Yep, Temple Mount Some- visit with Sharon. The whole thing went to shit. Right, right. So okay, um, back to very this. different, and wait, you had wait, to live in. No, a, this is important. You know, and I got to run around. Yeah, it, it, right. And we, I do want to talk about terrorism and the way that it's informed our views, which is why I'm bringing that up. We'll get back to that. This is an amazing costume because it it accomplishes what it's supposed to do, which is it's ridiculous, and this guy's turned on by it. But as soon as she starts sounding smart, he starts to dislike her. And as creepy and horrible as this guy is, by today's standards. He's almost not as creepy because of all the little boys that we know have been molested, as well as little girls. Right, that she doesn't look like she's nine, and that it's had like I guess there's 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 the anti-gay. Can you imagine that- this scene with Anakin in Episode Three? How great would that be? That you weren't been- lying. Smith See, that's how suffice. I know that the whole time she was trying to get away. <laughs> that's maybe my favorite line. Him after, the fact that she behaved, betrayed him after all those things. Uh, you missed my reference. When he, uh, Smith in the second movie, he, he hits someone in the chest, one of the agents in the chest, and he goes, my God. And he even just goes, Smith will suffice. <laughs> <laughs> me 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 too (laughs) okay so this is great too so this is a reference to big brother uh that they're just listening to everything and they're that's also like this is 1984 light this movie is 1984 light meets comic books in 1984 it would never allow they would never allow it to devolve to this amount of mess which is the whole point of this movie is that he's able to accomplish these things it was such a perfect plot to poke holes in what they were doing because, you know, uh, as long as they're still allowed, as long as you're still allowed to communicate with one another, then there's still hope. You know, the second that they control the whole thing, which is hopefully what people are fighting for. I saw uh, a, a journalist from Fox News, John uh, John Roberts, the other day speak up on, on behalf of his uh, fellow colleagues at CNN and NBC that trump was bashing and he and he was saying that like you know this is ridiculous they they are not dishonest people they are not dishonest journalists so i i hope that solidarity continues and that the diverse media uh, that exists continues to exist but that's what they're he's literally trying to stop 
all this media from mm. existing. He's just trying to have one voice and one voice only, and it's it's the only the most flattering. You know, and that's what's disgusting, and that's well, what's and sad. And CNN didn't do itself any favors by alienating the liberal base either many years ago. So that's a whole other story. But right. So, Simi, well, the me, Democratic let, National Convention, let me give you, or the Democrats, let me like, give you my uh, opening. alienate their own base. Right. Oh, those Hillary <laughs> emails. Oh, they destroyed America. Oh, Hillary's the worst. Right. Um, I'll never forgive my friends, by the way, for either not voting for Hillary or sabotaging her campaign. Any, that's Agreed. That's story. It's so um, sad. Yep. Um, I mean, my friends, I mean, my close friends, I mean, acquaintances, this is a great scene. Uh, we'll let this play out. But Simi, if, if you allow me, my, op- my political salvo here. Uh, which is I, I've, I've been teasing that I think this is more anti-Trump than anti-Bush. And the reason I say that is because regardless of where you fell on Bush in the Iraq war and so forth, there did seem to be a physical and major existential threat to the U.S. potentially in like the Cold War in the early 2000s with, with Islamic terrorism. And there still is today. But Trumpism is based on domestic enemies. That's the difference. Bush's policy was based on foreign enemies, which is also misguided and led to a lot and continues to a lot of innocent deaths. But Trump is saying people who are already Americans are causing all of the problems for you poor white Americans out there. So we need to actually start attacking the people inside our country. Oh, this is great. God save the queen. But that's what Nazism was based on, right? Nazism was an expansionist campaign, but it started by getting rid of the people inside the borders who were destroying the moral fabric of the country. And I said, Simi, I've listened to my podcast of Rogue One as soon as Trump was elected and, and quote-unquote joked about people getting rounded up into camps. Well, guess what's happening? They're rounding up immigrants into fucking camps. And you know what they say about the Holocaust? First they come for the Jews, then they come for the gays, then they come for the Catholics, and then they come for you. So people out there, consider you warned, if you're not already woke, as they say, to watch out if you blame everyone else for your problems, because eventually they're going to come for you. Sorry, Sammy, I'll get off my high horse. No, stay up there. Listen. Yeah. And, and, uh, we're, and by the way, we're Jewish with relatives who died or suffered in the Holocaust, so we're very sensitive to this type of stuff. So my family actually ran and have been running since 1492 from Spain uh, to Bulgaria and then left You're Bulgaria Andalusian? in 1939. Get the fuck out. <laughs> I st- no, that was my fucking PhD studies. Are you kidding me? I'm Sephardic. Oh I'm, my uh, and my grandfather then got kicked out of Bulgaria and went to Cuba because he spoke Ladino and, uh, and then uh, went to Boston. Um, and sold wool to people who made tailor-made suits. But we just missed a huge thing that yeah, I go actually ahead, Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was uh, on my I want to get back. Okay, okay, go, but go, yes, go. all this, all this. No, no, know, I know you know, agree. Go fuck ahead. immigrants. What did we and, just miss? And we're going to have to talk about this woman. So tell me about what we missed. Uh, the, the part they just missed is she goes, she didn't understand why he would have a Quran. She, he, she's like, he's like, she's like, what's that? Like, it's a Quran. What are you Muslim? And it's like, why would someone have a Quran? He's like, because it's knowledge, it's wisdom, it, mm-hmm. it's a book that's thousands of years old, like, like of, of millions and millions and billions of billions of people that have followed this book. So even if you didn't agree with the book, why would you burn it? Why would you outlaw it? Why could This is you the weakest plot point in the movie, it? by the way, but it's great because of the character stuff coming up. It's one of my favorite scenes, so I don't care. Yeah, go ahead. 
So yeah, I just think it's a great realization well, no, for because, all this art and, and artifacts. Right, because he and, doesn't and feel history. like he can live. He continues to love men because, and he can, same reason he collects stuff, because he doesn't feel like he's alive if he can't do these things. So he's willing to take the risk and be stupid and he gets killed for it. But right. Evie's just scared, well, right? Evie's, well, Evie's the average person who wants to do the right thing, but is scared by oppression, just like Neo is scared. And while Morpheus and V have very different methods for showing them through the door, V feels... Oh, or decides he has to force her essentially to learn the lesson. What is the thing that Neo and Evie share is fear of embracing their true free will and free choice and fight against oppression, right? They're both scared in their own ways. So I always think about like, so if Trump kills Seth Meyer and Trevor Noah, do we know now that we're here? Like no spoiler alert, uh, you know, Fry's character is going to get murdered by the president, by the, uh, the what's it called, the fingerman. They're going to kill him. So, you know, is Seth Meyer next? Is Trevor Noah next? You know, like, and I bet you, I bet you, I wonder if Trumpers watch these movies and cheer for the bad guys. I, mean, I wonder if, dude, if Trumpers, dude, is that what ten they years, want? 10 year period. Both Kennedys, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. I don't know why we need any more uh, evidence than that. If any one of those four people had survived, our world could be much better. You know, and now we have this douchebag and how and Obama no- survived. I, I pray, I pray and thank the gods every day. Obama survived his presidency and still survives. Yeah. I mean, I think they've overall gotten better at that sort of thing. I love this. There's getting this better is one of my favorite scenes. Not having a V trying to take you down. This is a huge plot reveal. This is maybe the best oh, non V E V exchange in the movie. Well, her character is the most um, uh, human. Maybe it's because it's a female character and one of the only other female characters in the whole movie. Um, but she's very human and she reveals a lot of what happened and what happened. And I, I like the way he kills her in this, too. They're almost attracted to each other. I mean, the way women are drawn to V is so fascinating. I, I, it's, she was probably the only person who was remotely good to him while they were there. Even though she was the brains behind the evil operation, he's already killed her, which makes the admission better. Oh, that's great. That's the thing. He does not... V does what I always say. People say, oh, superheroes should never kill bad guys. I say, no. If you have to kill a bad guy, do it quickly and painlessly and get it over with. You don't make him suffer and torture, because that's what the bad guys do. He's merciful. Yeah. But I'm saying, I'm saying the morality isn't about not killing... Killing can be merciful. It's about not making the person suffer, even if they're evil. I also like how it says, she said, that's a great line. Is it ever too late? It's just never, you know, it's never too late to apologize. If you look at any of the Batman movies or like the CW shows, what do they do with the supervillains? They lock them behind this glass case for the rest of their lives. Like, I'd rather die if I'm a bad guy. Just kill me. Be merciful. You know what I mean? Just end me. Well, you need a sequel. Trying to build a franchise here. I'm going to get out of jail one day, you know? 
<laughs> that's what's so frustrating about the Ar- so frustrating but fun about the Arkham Knight video games is they're like I just locked you up, goddamn, and I gotta fight you and put you back in prison. Harley, fuck you. <laughs> hey, did you see that new Harley Quinn uh, cartoon that just yeah, came out? Yeah, I watched those. I couldn't those get PG-13 through. T- I couldn't cartoons. get through fifteen minutes. I got through I think seventeen minutes of Suicide Squad. But uh, by the way, John Hurt, can we just talk about? Because this guy plays the sweetest old man in tons of movies. Uh, look at this performance. The way his t- face is twitching. I love his imperfect teeth. Have, have you noticed the percentage of character shots that are close-ups in this movie? It's almost every single one. I love it. It's basically a portrait. Every single one of them are just portraits. It's Which like, is how Peter Jackson gonna... got away with Lord of the Rings for $300 million for the entire trilogy was shots like that. God, it's incredible. I mean, people are like, oh, how this do you make so that? This is so Auschwitz. This is right. This, looks Auschwitz. Exactly, this is shot how Auschwitz is shot. Yeah, film-wise. Yep. This okay, little mini video. No, go ahead. Go mini ahead. I didn't realize how far we are. She's starting the exposition. So when you got to this part, Simi, or just in general when you watch it, like what? How does this change the movie other than just plot reveal at this point? I mean, it really opens up to like who the villains are because you just show it shows who he is, you know, and it shows who she is, and it gets into this. Um, for the sake of science, for this, the sake of, uh, you know, like she's so sure what she's doing is going to help the world that she's, she's, she's looking down on her subjects to make herself, you know, feel better for oh, what oh, she's that's her. doing. That's to her. That, that, that was that, her. That was the woman. That, that was, was the woman. notes woman. That is. Oh shit. That's her. That's totally her. Oh, this I can't is so wait Holocaust. Till we get to the- I mean, I know, obviously, this is, this is, is disgusting. I'm kind of trying not. There she is again. Yep. Here it goes. I remember getting excited knowing that he was subject number five. You know what I mean? Like, I as soon as I saw the number two, I was like, oh, that's it. That's why he's V, you know? Okay, here's a question for you. The beginning of this movie, when he meets Evie for the first time, tells her his, his plans vaguely and says a year from now, blah, 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 blah. Before he gets to know her and has those experiences and all these other experiences, there's V. Is he already planning on dying? Or do you think it's all the killing and what he does to her and stuff that makes him want to die at that point? No, no. I think he is only living for vengeance at this point yeah but he clearly commits suicide at the end when he doesn't have to it seems like no i think he was dead at the end (laughs) here's the comic i mean this is the only comic book moment in the whole movie and and this could be in any movie i just always reminds me of dark man and spawn this may be a dc movie man it may be an off prop off brand property but you know what property this is the most similar to the x-men this is exactly what the X-Men in the future looks like. This is exactly... The way they round up the mutants and, uh, reminds and, and me of that Whether it's Days of Future right Past or whether it's Cable, what we see in Deadpool with Cable and Hope in the future or Logan, it's exactly the same thing. Have you seen Spawn? I read Spawn in the early days, but I haven't seen it. Oh, it's good. Really? It's not great. It's good. Okay. The miniseries is decent. The miniseries is actually better than the movie, but the movie's decent. It's this is the scene that reminds me of Children of Men. Because there's one moment 
early on before Julianna Moore gets shot through the head where you think it's going to be okay and then everything goes to shit and it just gets worse and worse and worse. Right. I think that's uh, the just, best shot movie of all time. I, I don't know what movies shot better than Children of Men. It's so, and I say that only because that's a movie I normally would watch once every five years, but I watch at least once a year because of how well it's shot. You know, I really like the movie. I it's one of those movies that is a little too depressing for me. It's horrible. I, uh, I hate when they kill that old couple. Like that kills me. Um, the guy who has all that weed, the strawberry cough. Uh, uh, and Michael Caine, a.k.a. Alfred. Oh, it is Michael Caine. Yeah. Oh, my God. Master Bruce. Oh, my God. He He's has the best. His hair He's is all the crazy. Best. He's, and how much he loves his Is he the only wife. major British actor not in Harry Potter? Or is he in Harry Potter? He's not in Harry Potter. Oh, dude, I got there. the Prisoner of Azkaban special edition. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so pumped. What is that, though? It just has, like behind the extra new behind the scenes deleted scenes interview with the cast now oh everything. i'm not crazy they only have one and two out of that right i don't know i got a two disc blu-ray special edition prison of Azkaban. looks pretty new so i have i have all i have the whole collection and i've done that movie commentary solo but i would do that again in a split second I dude i'll be honest with movie. you i've seen i've i've listen to that i've read that book series slash listen to that book series and watch those movies the most of anything in my entire life i'm finishing book six right now and just going through it again and that's probably the mm-hmm. i've probably read each, do you know who directed prisoner of Azkaban? <laughs> uh yeah the uh guillermo nope close alfonso Cuarón, also uh, the director right. of children of men Oh, wow. So the guy who directed Prisoner of Azkaban directed Children of Men two years later. Wow. And even though Prisoner of Azkaban grossed the least of any of the Harry Potter movies, it's rated the highest generally among both fans and critics and is considered the turning point of the series from them being kids into being young adults. And I think as a non-Harry Potter fan, it's one of my favorite all-time movies, period, ever. Desert Island, I take one and then three. I can't live without one. It's not, I mean, right, but you're a Harry Potter fan. I'm saying, as a non Harry right. Potter yeah, fan, yeah, yeah, yeah. seeing yeah. Emma Watson and um, Radcliffe run around in their hoodies and jeans was, it, but, in, but in Scotland with these castles, I was not expecting it. It's beautiful. They're great. And the, the time travel and Emma Watson's kicking butt the whole time and fucking Aries is in it. <laughs> Dude, I love the whole thing. Fucking Gary Oldman, who I embarrassingly, I'm glad no one listened okay. to that last. All right, all right, I'm trying to refocus this here. Okay, so the big reveal is This is, is the best that, part. This is the best part. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, I thought he was going to go into the... Oh, sorry. No, they're sorry. still revealing We're, we're going to go dead silent for the part where he goes... Where he goes into... Well, I have this theory. You know? Here we go. Later on. When he tells his partner. This literally happens in the White House. That's like Stephen Miller, that guy. So their worry is that people think he's alive, not that they support him, which is interesting. I mean, Children of Men, also with an R rating, came out a year after this, and they just murdered people left and right. And yet the government control was less. That's the key to having a strong dystopian government, is not just murdering people. Because if you start just murdering people, then people have nothing to lose. And that's what By the, the way, I... 
Yeah, sorry. Oh, here we go. I was gonna say I think this is why he gets killed, not because he's gay. I think yeah, they were no, this kill is him exactly this. Yeah. Well, no, they arrest him because of this, and then they find his stuff and they kill him. Oh, I thought they killed him in the house. I thought they like no, no, cracked no. him in the head. No, they 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 hut him. No, don't they knock him in the head? All right, we'll see. I thought they're basically like kill like no trial, just mm-hmm. beat him to death. Okay, so another connection with Neo and other, you know, Messiah characters in these things are they inspire everybody around them. Like I talked about Captain America being like Luke Skywalker. You know, they inspire people without trying. Evie it's not a coincidence that this came out around the time that Evie became a bigger part in his life. Not a coincidence. He's emboldened by her uh, youthful idealism, I think. Is is part of the point here, even though she's horrified cuz she's worried for him. By the way, Israeli satire has been like this forever. That's I was actually just going to say that. Yeah, in Israel is as horrible as the government is. Up. You can get away with this stuff and they won't kill you. And you could get away with this up to 40 year, 30 years ago. I Not only that, in, 90s, in Israel, the police was a popular squad, show. Dude, the police. Was a puppet are, show. The police are actively trying to bring down the Netanyahu's in Israel. Like, open, you know? Like, they don't control the police. They're trying to escape from the police. Not here. I think it's the biggest misconception about Israel is that even though it, they have one of the worst governments ever in terms of both foreign and domestic policies, it's not a dystopian society in this in this sense, which I feel like some people from the uh, so what I was getting at earlier with our experiences is, is you know what I mean. This yeah, this I country mean, in America is much more like this than Israel is like this. Yes, Israel. And Israel will also right this wrong sooner than later. It in Israel, you can time. bump into be you can bump into the prime minister in public and tell them to go fuck themselves, and no one will do anything. In this country, they'll throw you in jail. Right, exactly, and they'll harass you. So, the fact that they just blatantly use John Hurt to play John Hurt—I mean, they just say screw it. I always wondered that. I mean, oh, it's that's clearly kind still of John a Hurt. Fun idea. Yeah, why wouldn't it be? I mean, he's already such a broad character who you think's invincible, and then there's a squealing little pig at the end. So why not? And in the end, you could probably do every single one of his parts except for the end in a day. Can I tell you my favorite John Hurt support role ever? Before this gets really dark, do you ever yeah. see? Do you ever see the? Uh, Carl Sagan adapted Contact movie in the late 90s with Jodie Foster and, and Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, but I don't remember it. Where she's the SETI NASA scientist who discovers alien life. Matthew McConaughey is like the reverend who's trying to mediate between the religious community and the scientific community. And the project's dead because the religious extremists blow up the fucking scientific project. But he's like a, a trillionaire that lives in space that comes out of nowhere to be an angel to Jodie Foster and reboot the project. Yeah, he's okay. Great. Yeah. He's like dying of cancer, so he moves to space. Here we go. I got to rewatch that. See, this is, again, rebirthing of what... See, this part. I think he's purely going to get killed right now. And I think they almost might even kill him right here. It's scarier to arrest him. Yeah, I told you. I guess he's still alive at that point. Sorry. I guess my mind 
he died, kind of. Or no, like they he, cracked him in the they head. They announce his like, death or she finds out about it, but it's just not here. Right. So here's my thing to me. Him to death. Dude, this movie holds up extremely well over time. But this is an example of where they maybe should have gotten 5% more comic booky in points to make it... They're clearly tapping into sort of the gothic 80s comic book vibe if you know what you're looking at. But it maybe looks a little campy and dated if you don't know the genre. Whoop! This is the best. Like, I totally... I mean, I, I'm, I'm know, grasping for criticism because I love almost every shot. Hey, here it is. Well, Boom. I, okay. I was just going to okay. say... Yeah, you you don't. When do you realize? When do you realize what's going on? There are points where it seems like there are more than one people at the same time in this jail. So you'll have to explain to me how this works. That it's just him the whole time. Well, I think it's also her perspective of it. You know. Oh, I see. Because, like, if you know that you're listening, you're her. If you know that you're listening for Hugo Weaving's voice, you can recognize it. But I had no idea when I first saw it. Neither did I. And that's the important thing. That's the only important thing. And as I'm sure you know, and I hope you weren't saving this, uh, you know, as she actually cut her actual hair in this uh, upcoming scene, uh, which I thought was pretty cool because having that pretty hair, you know, and being who she is, like she probably has some emotional attachment to how she feels about who she is. I cannot stress this enough. With a $50 million budget, making $150 million domestically, getting very good reviews overall, especially among the nerd press, I cannot stress enough that this helped. I'm not saying Natalie wouldn't have bounced back, but this helped immediately rebound and bounce back her career. Immediately. This is real. This is really Look happening. This is Natalie. This is the Black Swan Natalie. Honestly, we had never seen this, even in her great childhood roles. This is, I mean, this is amazing. This is it. You cut my hair. So I've never crushed on Natalie the way you have. I've got my own crushes, obviously, but I just love her as a person, as an actress. But as an actress, this is this extended set of scenes is where I fell in love with her, where I was like, "Oh my god!" And also, it, I, I hate to say it, man. By the way, guys out there, I'm sorry if you were offended when I called George Lucas a terrible director. But look at this. This tells you why George Lucas is a terrible director, not utilizing this skill. She is acting the shit out of this horrifying situation. Uh, I personally, I hate all this torture shit. So my, one of my favorite scenes with her is on the roof at the end. I mean, he set this all up with this. the rat, with everything. Every bit of it. So here's the question. Every here's bit the of question. It. Let's tease the end without talking about it. Is this worth it? In your morality, in your ethics, in V's justification, how he explains it, and how she embraces it later on, is this worth it? You know, I mean, it's hard to put yourself in that actual universe. Because this is how suicide bombers are made. Let's be honest. This is exactly how terrorists and suicide bombers are made, which is what made this movie so controversial at the time. Yeah, I mean, if I lived in this society in this time period and had to deal with with the possibilities that existed for my freedoms, and someone did this to me, like, yeah, I'll do that. That makes sense. I mean... But this that young woman, fucked up. I'd be lucky to you and I, Jews, Muslims, you know, gays, they're all killed in this. If they find out right. you're any of those things in this society. I agree. So with like you. I was being, yes, uh, being a Jewish male, yeah. if I had survived as long as I had 
and somehow fucking V wanted to take me under his wing and yep. torture me for 30 days. Was it a month? I mean, to me, I'm often accused of being utilitarian in my views and justified the means, but I, I support the ends justified the means as long as the means don't destroy the human spirit and everything we're standing for. And I don't think this does. Is this necessary? Could there have been a less extreme version here? Maybe. But you, you know, I really love. Yeah, go ahead. I want to talk this. about this. This is so beautiful. I mean, this is. I, I, I love all think, the mini yeah. stories that they do. They do a great job. They did a great job of showing the, the younger Doctor Evil when she was, you know, telling about how these miserable subjects suck. And now they the they they they've set you in the jail, and you know, time is passing, and and they're they're helping you pass the time with. With this other awesome story, and that's what's so cool about this movie. That it's really it doesn't it doesn't ever quit. There's never you said you said like when you first saw it, you felt there was downtime. There's so many things that are happening. I never think there's any downtime. There's so many uh, contributing storylines of these mini mini stories, these sixty second stories that contribute to you understanding where these people are coming from. Which brings me back to being like, yeah, dude, short. Sure torture me for a month i've been to you know well i have never been tortured for a month but you know if it led to who i would become knowing what she becomes fine you know but that's our perspective you know that's we, we right. know the end is the problem waterboarding waterboarding i always thought water i always thought waterboarding like was uh there was Pouring a bottle water on people's face right yeah that's uh drowning Well, if you're getting tons of water poured out on your face, you actually can drown. That's sort of the point. Yeah. I wonder if like she started to show signs of having pneumonia, and he'd like slip her antibiotics or something like that. You know? No, because I think she it's never what you gets said. sick. I think this doesn't last nearly as long as she thinks. It feels like, and that's what makes it slightly okay. Is that she think thinks this is? is six months? I think it's closer to six weeks. You could manipulate that. If you starve, if you starve, if you like fucked them up with sleep mm-hmm. and like woke them up and put them to, if you kept waking them up. Well, I think that's why it was important to make a Star Wars connection finally. It's important why Ray kept track of the days on Jakku on the wall. We have firsthand knowledge of brainwashing. What do you think those By the weekend way, retreats of Young Judea were okay. about? They're about so my brainwashing. Dad- my, sorry, my dad loves the the short lived but much respected Netflix series Sense Eight, uh, which lasted two and a little bit seasons on Netflix by the Wachowskis, uh, who are now both transgender and was about transgender people and gay people and so forth. But that was the last couple of years. It was considered very edgy even for now. This is two thousand five. We've already had yeah. a gay, we've already had a gay guy be one of the heroes, and now we've got two gay women be the heroes. Two thousand five. By the way, she yeah. looks just like Natalie Portman, that other woman, which is great. She looks familiar. I feel like I've seen her in something. You know, I, I've told this many times in a lot of our you different commentaries on Star Wars about like really recognizing relationships and really like believing them, and like all these mini stories are so believable, like. It's such a short, it's, you know, they contribute maybe four or five minutes of the movie to this, but it's so believable. And like, they lead you mm-hmm. through her lifeline of this, of mm-hmm. this girl and, and, and how she's persecuted. And they're, 
they're really just setting the stage for like how bad it is. You know, you, it's 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 really bad. It's really bad. Here's gay guys again. Did you do you notice how as the story gets closer to the present, the lighting changes to get closer to what we've been seeing as well? I mean, the editing and the lighting and filming in this movie is so great. You know, there's no race thing in that. I think that was the only black guy ever. That gay black guy that they just arrested. Yeah, dude, the Wachowskis don't give a fuck. That's the thing. Yeah. More people need to have balls about this thing. Yeah. That's why people want Finn and Poe to be gay for each (gasps) other. Oh, shit. Yep. Shit. They killed all the black people. That's the exact shot, by the way. We just, yeah, we saw the shot. Oh, my God. They don't even address it. That's why there aren't Mm -hmm. any black people in this movie. They killed all the black people, the Jews, and the Muslims. There aren't, Mm -hmm. there's only white people in this movie. Well, children of men, they're very specifically in, yeah, in immigrant camps. Yeah. Right. But isn't that interesting? That just dawned on me. I'm like, why aren't there any black well, people or I, people of color in this movie? And I'm like, I wouldn't oh. jump to that conclusion necessarily. I think it's more the fact that everyone in the Empire in the First Order, for the most part, is white, for example. You know what I mean? Well, no, no, no. I'm just saying in the, all the flashbacks, you see people of color. But now... I don't. I haven't even seen us. I'll have to go back and look at it in the beginning, like at the no, media you're right. center. You're right. And see if there's any people of any. But I don't know if that's or, a Hollywood thing, is what I'm saying. Because that would be. In, you go to England be, now; it's very multicultural and colorful. Right. That's what I'm saying. Even in 2006, it was multicultural, though. Like, I wonder about that. I, I want to look at that real quick. Sorry. Sorry, Natalie Portman, absolutely killing it. I mean. This is sleep deprivation. Look at her eyes. I mean, they're they're killing her, and and, and like so. Wait, how long do you think this? Do they ever reference it? No, that's the whole point. Oh, she kisses it. I mean, here we go. This is it. This final test. Yep. Love this accent. He's doing a great job. This is the equivalent of when Trinity dies in the Matrix and Neo has nothing left to lose. Oh, this always this was. Uh, I was going to say this reminds me of when Smith is um, Smith is interviewing uh, Morpheus and or uh, torturing Morpheus and 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 then all of a sudden you know he starts to lose you know and everybody shows up like all the power like all of a sudden is back in Morpheus's court you know. Mm. not this point but you know what i'm talking about with the they so didn't, no let's let's bring that up let's bring that up v's i guess approach is is. versus morpheus's approach v is much more brutal and ruthless and yet morpheus is coming from a much 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 more disturbing situation i love how she's holding that roll of toilet paper like a knife as if she could stab him with it which is like kind of beautiful in its own self you know in its own like it's she's but do you know what I'm That's saying? Incredible. Like, V's considering the situation of English people in this modern one time. Morpheus is dealing with the entire future of the entire race of humanity, and yet he has a much more gentle touch on Neo. Is Neo just more developed? Morpheus just has a different philosophical approach. Neo will come to it on his own, as we've talked about. Neo ends up moving way beyond what Morpheus thinks is possible because Morpheus doesn't understand what's really going on. Maybe that's part of it. But... I do think that the hostility and lack of understanding of the Matrix sequels, again, was somewhat addressed in this movie with them producing, but McTeague directing in a much, much more human scenario here. People could relate. As disturbing as the Stockholm Syndrome reveal thing is, 
people could relate to this much more. Right. So the guy. Right. So you're right. Yeah. She thought this guy was real, and he was just a just a doll. Yeah, I think we were seeing it from her perspective, and mm-hmm. and they wanted us to be jaded. Because I think even if you suspected that yeah, he was right. doing it, yeah. um, it would have ruined the whole experience. Because again, you want you didn't want to concentrate on whether she was really being captured. You wanted to concentrate on the story of the the the, the two lesbian lovers and 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 how they were persecuted against and how the world changed and in, in, in a blink of an eye for for all these different people. And all of a sudden, they were hunted by their government. And, and that's literally what's happening now. There's a group of people that's being hunted by their government. There's an organization. It's not the Finger Men. It's called ICE. And it's the same fucking thing. Like, what are we doing? Look at this. The same girl she, she's who walked still in an hour ago. Completely different. Still that wasn't the, real. The, okay, toilet, that's a, the toilet paper. Sorry, with, that's a, like a knife. Is this real? What is real? Yeah. Yep, he's dead. I told you. Oh, I guess yeah. you're right. Yeah. I thought they were going to kill him. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what Morpheus says to Neo. We got to you before they did. Oh, that's good. Yeah, my hair. You cut my hair. Here's the thing, man. We're not British. I bet British people think her accent's terrible, but who cares? <laughs> I wonder. I'll have to ask some British people. Well, because Americans can do what I talk about, the, what, the mid-Atlantic accent, which is sort of like Leia does, which is sort of in the middle. Right. I wish Here I had a mid-Atlantic Here's accent. Here's the self-justification. But this is Smith. This is the Smith. This is great. This is Smith justifying his evil ways, but as the good guy. It's fantastic. This is part of the brainwash. Now he's sharing, sharing pain. Here's the moment of enlightenment. Yeah. Yep. This is almost as important as the whole, the whole torturing. This moment. But it's also like Neo. Do you remember the time when he rejects the Matrix and he starts stumbling around? He's like, no, no, no. And, and, and he throws know, up or he whatever. Throws up, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, dude. He's talking about he's talking about conditional truth, which is exactly the opposite of what Morpheus talks about, which is definitive truth. He's the anti-Morpheus. It's really interesting. Here she is, just here, everything but the vomit. Dressed like a fucking house elf. The insane thing is, other than some Wachowski projects, Matigue hasn't done much since here. Which I, you know, and Gareth Edwards has done nothing since Rogue One. I don't know what happens to these young directors. They do these brilliant performances and then nothing. And this is the point. This is this is that moment where, like, uh, you know, he realizes that he was unplugged. This is yeah. This is yeah. her vomit moment where yeah. he's like, where he's like. She's like, you've been wearing blinders yeah. this the whole time. The difference is Morpheus is the good guy because he's not the one who plugged him in. He just unplugged him. Whereas V right. plugged her in and is now unplugging her. Right. Totally unplugged her. Yep. This is Oscar-worthy performance, by the way. I, I'm not saying she should have gotten nominated, but I, I wouldn't have been mad if she did. Well, you know, just to get nominated. You were nominated? Um, <laughs> she got one, so she's cool. 
No, she she's incredible. I need air, please. You know, you brought this up in Attack of the Clones, man. I didn't give you enough support. Oh, by the way, the rain. This is just like, um, I mean, this could be the so rain cheesy. in the Matrix is constant. The, when, the, the scene in the car where they pull the thing out and he's get in the, you know, he gets pulled yeah, out yeah, of the yeah. Matrix with the rain. When he fights Smith at the end of the Matrix Revolution. I mean, because it's the Matrix code. This is it. This is the Matrix code right here. This is the exact Matrix code shot. Boom. I mean, they weren't trying to hide it. That's why I love this movie, is McTeague wasn't trying to be like, I'm not influenced by the Wachowskis of the Matrix. Like, no, I'm doing my own version of it, based on DC Comics. Oh, yeah, but Is John Woo not going to have some guy with two guns yeah. spinning in the air, shooting at the same time at somebody? No, he's John fucking Woo. Like, that's that's What that's made Rogue One movies. great? What made Rogue One great? It took the things we loved and took it in a different direction. Look at her. Oh, my right. God. Oh, Wait, you yeah. did what with the fried chicken? You put gravy? Oh, you know, and cheese? Oh, yes. you're gonna call it smothered? Fine. Yeah, the lightning. This looks just like the Matrix. I love it. It's great. Also, all the leather. It's very Matrix. This whole outfit is very Matrix. The problem with the Matrix is that the Reloaded, in my opinion, is very unfairly criticized, but Revolutions is very fairly criticized, and so. It makes it hard to separate because they came out six months apart. This is such a sweet scene because it's like as if she's breaking up with him. So do you think he gives up hope? He gives up faith? Or he's just going to do his plan and whatever? Oh, no. He asked her to come back here. Yeah. He's, and again, he just wants to dance with her. He's so sweet. Here's my question. Here's my question to me. I do honestly f- feel that on the day of his death, he feels bad about what he did, even though he feels it necessary. The question is, does he feel bad about that now, or does he come to feel bad about it between now and then? I think the only reason why he has any hesitation of remotely killing himself after his vengeance. No, no, not killing been- himself. He does say to her towards the end, very end of the movie, that he did regret it or regret the way he went about it. Is what I'm saying. I think he never expected to really love Evie the way he loves Evie. And this like is Evie. what this is sorry, this is what sells it. That it was a real story. Right. He's very manipulative. I mean, this whole thing is very planned. And again, so I think we're have to assume that he meant to meet her. He knew he he needed that card to kill um to, to to kill the uh, the gu- the old guard um, who eventually runs the TV yeah. show. The- yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and by the way, another Trump comparison is nepotism. Bush administration didn't have a ton of nepotism. Trump administration has tons of nepotism. This administration here in this movie is rehiring and rehiring the same evil people over and over again as part of the downfall. Another Trump comparison. Yeah, it's crazy. This turnover has just been absolutely Like, the guy who ran the media should have never ran the media. The woman who was in the hospital should have never been in the hospital. If they were real dystopia, they would have killed all those people. I got them out of the way. The guy who tried to sue the EPA over 20 times became the head of the EPA, and then they just resigned from the EPA. Yeah, right. Letting a exactly. detective on your senior counsel who's investigating you secretly? I mean, come on. Not a very good big brother. I mean, I think yeah. that's both the hopeful but also disturbing part of this movie is that the only reason V is able to succeed 
is because people come out to support, but because Big Brother is incompetent. If they were competent, I'm not sure V would succeed. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think Evie would to... die within ten minutes of leaving this place. Well, I think his plan took a really long time. His biggest part of his plan was getting the uh, the people to see that trans, like uh, the success of the media at the media outlet and being able to transmit his his message oh, and and yeah, plant that pissed. seed. This is it. They had sorry, they had to show us this. Yeah. Well, he was sad. I don't think he. Look, I think he knew this would all happen, and she was all started. The he, she is all part of the bigger plan to to for the train that eventually so, comes through. But do you think he's pissed specifically in that scene because she leaves, or because he feels like he had to do it and he did it? But you know what I mean. I think it's both. I think he's he's he knew he he does not regret doing it. He's sad that he had to unfortunately but, right. like but when he smashes you know, the mask Simi, i'm asking you to go into his head when he smashes the mask what specifically is negative feeling is inside his head do you think i love her and there's nothing i can do to be with her because i'm a monster that's the phantom of the opera <laughs> comparison which is always very much there he's very ashamed of who he is uh but understands his mission and understands his purpose and understands his vengeance is what he lives off of. So he wishes, I, to me, he wishes that he could run away and watch movies with her and eat eggs and toast, uh, 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 toad in the hole, you know, with, with her and, 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 and have this other life and take off his mask and live with her. But I think the reality is, you know, he, he's going to blow up this building and he's going to commit suicide and uh, he's going to complete this vengeance process for the people. Because uh, he has an idea of, of freedom, that, and he has an idea of how he can give it to people, and it's going to uh, inevitably he has to die. Inevitably, he has to be martyred. He's the biggest martyr. Like Guy Fox was a martyr too. They were martyred for what they believed in. So, or they're terrorists, depending on your perspective, I guess. Yeah, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. So, Simi, can I tell you why this is? not only an optimistic scenario, but sheds light on why our situation is horrible as it is. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Hmm. There's two ways evil can take over. You can have it at the top or, or at the bottom, right? In our country right now, it's at the top. And so if the people of America want to take this country back, we still can. What makes children of men way more disturbing than this movie, other than just tone and violence and so forth, is that all of the people have given up. It doesn't even matter about the government. Is that hopelessness has completely taken over the population. In this society, the government is big brother and evil, but the people haven't given up hope, right? And, and that's, that's what he's preying on. He's preying on that yeah. still, the people still have hope. Right, Correct. and I think that's where Trump continues to screw up, is is not crushing our hope. With each stu- more stupid and horrible move Trump makes, he's actually giving people more hope, although it's harder right. to reach it. Does that make sense? Yes, because I think the hope is that more people will come out and vote. Right. So with every stupid move he makes, I hope it affects more and more people, and more and more people understand how important. By the it was. way, do you know what Children of Men is a is a metaphor of? What's that? Here's a hint. We take all your children from you and take them away as soon as they're born. Egypt. What? Oh. The Israelites in Egypt. Born. That's oh, what we wow. take your firstborn male. This is exactly what children men is. Well, why should we have hope? You take away our children. Okay, here we go.
A story can be true or false. I leave such, I leave judgments, you such to you. judgments to you, Inspector. Good. That Our story begins. Up. Yep. Great. Young. Oh, here's the full reveal. And this is why you need the detective story. Because if you had no reveal, Simi, up until this point, and then this, you'd be like, okay, this is just the big exposition speech. But we want it so bad at this point. Yeah, I like how he gives it to you, and I like how they've been leading up to it with all these mini stories about the different, uh, like the, the 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 different diseases, the disease control, the government spin in the media, and it's all so important. You know, it's also important about how they got power. This this little spiel, and then the one where he. Uh, where he like realizes what's going to happen. Those are the two little, those are some of the cool mini stories, but this fill in is great. The fact that they don't realize it's him is because they're so enthralled with the story. The story is, is, you know, incredible that he's telling them. So they're not even paying attention to who the fuck he is. Can I ask you a really tough question? Yeah. This is totally interpretive. What's a two-part question? Why did they decide to have him be in real facial makeup here as filmmakers? And why did he decide within the story, do you think, to do it at this point? What do you mean? The- to not be behind the mask, to, to have makeup over his, his damaged face. Um, the guy in the station that's talking to them. I don't know. No V mask. Where's the mask? It's the only time. Only time in the whole movie. Well, I think he's wearing another mask now because he's playing another character. So he just doesn't want to be. But they're still letting him move his lips and and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Oh, and he's barely moving his lips. He's barely having facial expressions. He's less emotive here with a real face than with the mask. It was, I guess, where I'm getting myself to here because I haven't really thought about it until now. You know, actually, the fa- the mask he's wearing right now is a fan of the opera mask because it's it's uh, yeah. you can see his mouth moving, but you can't see any of his eyes. Cr- or- crossed with like a Neil Young or something. Right, <laughs> beard makes it so all you really have is his lips, but there's really not much personality in anything he's saying other than in the tone. Here's my question. I think the writers slash the detective did too good of a job where this reveal actually isn't that momentous because the detective is already like 80 to 90% here, I think, right? By the time the story comes, he just fills in the last few gaps. So why is he using Creedy here? Wait, he tells him the story, I think, to turn Creedy. Oh, right. He's bumping Creedy up against the guy who's trying to take over from Big Brother, right? That's the idea. Yeah, uh uh-huh. He's not lying. He needed him. He needs him to put it together because he needs to pull this other puppet string to get the access to kill everybody he wants to kill. And guys, before I say what I'm about to say, I'm never for killing anyone, even evil politicians. So don't take this literally. But this guy here, when he murders John Hurt, (laughs) essentially thinking he's going to take over the throne. I think that's what takes down Trump ultimately. Not physical violence, but someone who puts a metaphorical bullet to Trump's head within his own staff. It's already happening. We've seen it happening for years. 
I mean, that is the metaphor that is portrayed in every Judas, you know what I mean, stabbing in the back uh, of all politicians and the evolution of, unfortunately, uh, capitalistic politics where, you know, there's always someone looking to, you know, take your spot. That's inevitably what we breed here. You know, the idea is I think it's more than better than your neighbor. Yeah, I think it's more. And that's why I think Obama doesn't get enough credit. You just look for people who worked for Obama and look at them. If you're an idealistic, motivated person, you're going to surround yourself with other motivated, idealistic people. If you're a cynical, evil person, you're going to surround yourself with cynical, evil people because that's who you trust. But do you know what I'm saying, man? It's like, you know, evil people are ultimately their own downfall. The question is how far bad situation get before we get there. Well, what is bad? And that's unfortunately, you know, with all the technology and all the knowledge that we have access to, like, we still don't know, like, how bad is bad? You know, like, when, when, when did our grandparents know how many definitively evil people do we think had power major power during the Obama administration? I mean, compared one to man's now. freedom fighter is one man's no, no, but like, <laughs> but like, as or e- even as corrupt, quote unquote, as Hillary Clinton in the actual Obama administration, a handful. I mean, I don't know how it really works. I don't know what the difference of corruption but you get my point about how evil surrounds right. evil, right? I mean. No, there's no this administration thing, that's had right? so many indictments and, and, and in terms of this is unprecedented. But the this is why the emperor like, this is why the emperor has Sith apprentices who he knows are coming for him. Oh, I thought you were gonna say that because the Emperor has no clothes, which is my favorite example of Trump. He's literally the Emperor with no clothes. Like everybody's telling him he's the best thing since sliced bread that surrounds Did him. Did you see Sch- Schwarzenegger called him a limp noodle? <laughs> God, I'd, I'd love to see the two of them in a WWF ring that's, like, real. Dude, Schwarzenegger for president, man. I'd be all for it at this point. All right, here we go. The, uh, okay, this one, no, sorry, sorry, sorry back line. to the story here. I don't, I'm not sure at this point. So the detective's been solved. This is the main flaw of the movie. The detective's been solving the whole time and then gets a bunch of information from V and then becomes kind of irrelevant other than almost killing V at the end. Yeah. I mean, this movie is almost unbearably hopeful in the 2018 world back in 2005 this was so dark and cynical you know it's how far we've fallen simmy oh man it's so crazy that this was like oh my god this would be crazy why would anybody like vote for anything like this who would not want freedom of speech i mean that's what makes america great this is look this is a comic book it's alan moore it's dc this is the much much darker captain america the winter soldier right i mean this is the much darker rated r dc uh, Alan Moore, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And I love that about it. That's, that's why I don't think he gets enough credit for being a... Here's the thing. This movie is so not blatantly a, a comic book movie that a lot of people don't even know, Simi, that this is a comic book movie. Many people don't know that. You know, again, you bring up uh, Captain America, and again, you know, Hugo Weaving, you know, the, you know Red, Red Skull. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That was not him in Infinity War, by the way, unfortunately. No, it was 
Oh, it wasn't? Nah, they got a stand-in. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. I kind of thought it was. I love this little girl. She's so cute. This is like a great... Oh, man. This is Dark Knight shit, right? This is... This is... This is where he really... Oh, and that's it. This is the reverse Dark Knight, this movie. Before Dark Knight ever came out, this is taking the Joker but flipping him to the good guy's side, right? I mean, that's the whole point. It's brilliant. It's Yeah, it's like Joker as this sort of anti-hero good guy. I love... Okay, this is it. This is it. This is it. But I had this feeling. Oh, man. I think you're ahead of me. Do you want to go back? No, it's cool. I I know this movie well enough at this point. Where you at? I'm at 42. Okay, we're good. We're good. This is a flashy scene, though. Yeah, but it's so well edited. This it's so beautiful. Every good detective show tries to pull off this this type of thing. It's really diff- I mean, this is Sherlock Holmes level. I mean, old school Sherlock Holmes level. I liked actually uh Sherlock. No, no, that's Have not the point. That? I'm saying uh, this okay. is literally brilliant. Well, that's what they do in Sherlock too. And that's what they do in Sherlock Holmes actually the one with uh with Iron Man. But they um which isn't horrible. I actually like those ones. It was a feeling. Right. But if I had to guess. Man, I just read the Steve Jobs book finally, man. Oh, yeah? He's all about instinct and feeling and stuff. That's what made him so irrational and brilliant. That's the the most successful are. He specifically uh, thinks fascism is built on too much rationality, essentially. That's interesting. That's why he hates Bill. He doesn't hate Bill Gates, but he doesn't respect Bill Gates because he's just a logical, money-making businessman. Jobs never wanted to be that. Jobs doesn't give a shit Do about money. He didn't make any money from Apple for years. He refused shares and took one dollar a year. Do you ever see uh, the S- Pirates of Silicon Valley? No. Oh, dude! Great movie. So hold old on. movie. Great movie though. It Sorry. explains. I know. It all. I got us up on this tangent. Let's just sum yeah, up what, what, what goes on in this movie real quick so we can get to the final part and really talk about it. They do medical experiments on people so they can create a biological weapon to kill their own population under the guise of a foreign terrorist operation th- to gain power. That's the plot. That's the political plot of the movie. And V's the one guy to survive it. And now he's coming after them. And this is the metaphor with the, with the dominoes is V has been putting all these uh, pieces together for them to fall into place but for this, this one the, piece. This is the this thing This one about, final piece. Dude, traditions of writing would tell you to stay away from doing a scene like this from beginning to end, including the dominoes. But great writers say, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? And just, and just take the cliche and beat it. I also think they just res- they, that you've really figured out the um, the characters, and they've really respected who that character is. So where it's not cheesy when you see him in that that cooking uh, apron, or and it's not cheesy with that stupid domino scene. Like mm-hmm. 
you know, that, that, that could be a scene that they really tried to do in some of those like Batman forever or Batman and Robin, you know, where they really just overdid that comic. We don't talk about the, that last movie. Are we allowed to talk about forever? We can. I saw it. Okay. Can I compare it to a more favorable movie? That was the Avengers scattered, but about to come together scene. That was the Hulk's far away. Tony Stark and Captain America are, you know, thinking to themselves. Everyone's disagreeing. People think people are dead, blah, blah, blah. It's, that's that was like a trying to be like cliche and clever, you know, like, but and, I think it and works it, it because it did. Yeah, it did. I think that's it totally works. And this like, scene shouldn't work either, man. This scene should not work. It, it, oh, this one I wanted to say during the jailing scene, Sammy, is you know you love a movie and it's brilliant when when you're watching something that you know is a manipulation on for the first time watching, but you still want to watch each subsequent time because of how brilliantly it's acted and shot. And that's how I feel about Natalie Portman's performance in the jail scene. Is I obviously know where that's leading, but it's not like I would ever think of fast forwarding through it. It's one of my favorite parts of the movie, as is this. It's a very attractive person with no fucking hair. And that's how you know. And that's like Scarlett Johansson too. You know, a woman's beautiful and they rock no hair and you're like, yep, still gorgeous. <laughs> you know how she, I know she's a good actress because that whole story that she was just telling, I was imagining it happening and I don't think it ever really flashes to it actually. Like she's just a, such a great storyteller. That's why in the beginning of this, I was saying how much I love uh, her being the narrator like you have you to know. structure your movies around natalie thor one was successful specifically in my opinion because of how much screen time and freedom natalie got in that movie when they sidetracked her in the second movie it didn't work anymore is black swan considered a horror movie or just a thriller? <laughs> thriller or just a thriller i think it's considered a psychological dark drama i was just thinking about she should really do a good horror movie. Made example of. <laughs> your, your arrogance is your weakness. He centers you're his shots, your which you're yours. not supposed to do Sorry. in cinema, but Peter Jackson did too close-ups centered on the screen you're not supposed to do that in photography he just does it every look at this every single shot is centered it's fantastic <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know i think some young directors get a break with a brilliant piece of material whether it's this or rogue one or whatever you want to talk about you know what i mean and just just go to town do you know anything about this soundtrack Mm-mm. it's incredible i don't yeah I wonder if I have something. I always print out a little blurb about all the things we do. And this is why, Natalie, people say, oh, all these child actors and actresses have so many problems. Why does Natalie Portman not have problems? I say, well, one, she's a strong person, but two, she's a great family and brain trust. And they protected her from a young age. And I'm telling you, Simi, they specifically booked this movie to come after right after the prequels ended. It's not I a coincidence. I think she also went to normal school. Like, even being in the professional and everything, she went to, like, 
regular school. Like, oh she yeah, wasn't- in terms of a person, she's fully formed. I'm just talking about her career arc. I- I'm saying whoever her 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 agents are, her managers or whoever are d- doing very well by her. How they book book her posts, you know, the prequels. This is great. His sidekick actually is a little underrated. I'll be honest. Oh, they're both great. Look at they're that give and take. Look at that punum. He looks like a bulldog or something. This is great. He teases what doesn't happen. He said, "He says what's going to happen." He says, "What usually happens to people when people without guns stand up to people with guns? You're like, oh, it's going to be a massacre." Nope, not what happens. Right. I think normally it would it would become. A I know that's why I said this movie is incredibly optimistic. <laughs> I agree with right. that. They just shoot all those people, but maybe they'd have beanbag uh, guns instead of real guns. You'd hope. I mean, the Israeli army goes to great lengths to not murder people, and they're still murdering people on the front page all the time. So I don't know. Oh my god. That was a great metaphor, by the way. It took 10 years to clear the tracks and lay a bit of my own. Wow. It's just impressive. This is great writing. So It okay, really I, is. Hold on, hold on. I'm digging this up real quick. Hold on. I normally... <laughs> I almost feel like I'm taking a victory lap by telling you who writes this. <laughs> who writes the... The screenplay or the... Uh, the screenplay. <laughs> no, Alan Moore wrote the comic. Andy and Larry. Yeah. A.K.A. Lana and I don't know what the, her other name is. I So he cultivated her. Is that the whole point? That's that's what I'm saying. That's what he thought he was. He thought he was trading like a, almost like a sleeper cell. Like, yeah, like sister agent. But it changed this. He he's grown. But, this is the other optimistic part of the movie. Is he was more dark and sinister when he was manipulating her, and now he's grown from it. Hey, you know what? This is actually. This is you know instead of this is the reverse matrix because instead of giving you the red or the green pill in the beginning, you get it at the end in this movie. Yep, he's giving her the red and the green pill now. That's the red and the green pill, and she's taking the green pill by by hitting the trigger. That that's there you go. She's such a great actress. But what's great is even when we're with V, I I I'm really coming to your side on this that it's always from her perspective. Even when we're with V, it's sort of from her perspective, <sighs> so we don't know what the truth is. By the way, I, I, that was a more should've... romantic kiss than any shared with Hayden Christensen. <laughs> Leave Hayden alone. Leave Hayden <laughs> Sorry, Jedi Geek alone. Girl. Sorry, Star Wars fans. Sorry. You know what, though? I kind of wish she had like at least struggled to pull the mask up at that point. No, I like it. No, no, no. Like, at least, That's at least something tried. Lucas would have her do, and why Lucas not writing this goddamn movie. I'm yeah, sorry, no, no, man. I'm, just- it's, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It stands like a sore thumb when she's with really good directors and writers. She's unbelievable. Okay. I'm just saying. I just one more. One more. Uh, what's the word? One more. 
uh, overture for her to say, I want you for who you are. I love you for who you are. Um, but I guess maybe she, that's, the, that's another metaphor in itself that she kisses the mask because the mask is, is the idea. I and think that's, that's she, who he is. She's, she's in love with the idea of him. I, I think that's a friend kiss. I know it looks romantic, but I think deep down she it loves is. him as a friend and that's the best thing she can think to give him before he goes and kills himself. Do you ever watch uh, Sons of Anarchy? I haven't, but I've heard great things. Uh, the way sometimes there's kisses in that show between certain people, you're just like, whoa, you know, and sometimes it might mean something and sometimes it means nothing. If someone kisses somebody on the mouth, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. You have to watch the show to know the characters and see why, what I'm talking about, but there's a couple interesting ways people kiss each other. This is great. It's incredible that he's being accosted with V there and all these soldiers there. I could make an argument as a writer that not doing this scene, but continuing the rest of the movie and blowing up Parliament, but with this guy still in power, would be more interesting in some ways. That was so gory. It's gory. It's dramatic. He got Big Brother to kill Big Brother, and now he's going to kill the rest of Big Brother. I mean, he's clearing the way for the total freedom of the country, which I get is how they want to wrap up the movie. It's, you know. Right. I think this is all. This is one of a great all time fight scene. Okay. So the fake blood here is, is supposed to be fake blood. Here we go. That looks awesome. But it looks better than the Zack Snyder 300 fake blood, I think. Yeah, I don't buy this guy as the number two. It's okay. (laughs) Mr. Anderson. (laughs) Is there any way you can win this fight without dying? No. I like that reality, too. That's why you you say he could have gone on living. This, I think he, this is Jesus. One of them shit. had to slip. A couple of them had to slip through. This is Jesus shit, though. Taking the punishment. He's not even trying to escape it. This is like Mel Gibson, Braveheart, right. you know, type right. stuff. This Pesha is the, the or yeah. or like Michael Myers or Jason or any of those things. You just have extraordinary powers. Like, look, you just get shot in the leg, like he did. I saw a couple blood. But what's he trying legs, to prove? Like, because either he's trying to prove something or he's trying to die. And he kills all these people, so he's not proving anything. So it's just suicide. It oh, is. It always go. was. Look at look at the red come up here. It's hilarious. You ready? Oof. Knives are so brutal. Knives are the most brutal killing weapon. This is the comic book part, but I think there it's it done very tastefully. Yeah, it Oof. looks like the Watchmen blood. It looks like the Alan Moore blood. It's exactly from right. the comic book. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I'm just glad it's sold to people. You liked Watchmen too, right? I can't watch Zack Snyder movies. Sorry. Uh, not really? not like that. I liked it. I know. I know. Most people, most nerds I respect like a lot. 
I would say I liked it a lot. I think it was a uh, forty-five minutes too long, but um, I thought it was. The good. funny thing is, you can get this blood as like a program um, on like Steam for like three dollars now. <laughs> it's it so sad. I know they spent so much money. That's what. Uh, don't. What do you think of the streaks? It's great. With the knives. Do you like the way the the knives streak? Oh yeah, absolutely. Comic absolutely. book style. Well, it's a Matrix thing. It's like the bullet. It's like bullet time right. with the bullets. Only he's taking the bullets instead of dodging them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I watched this movie like nobody else when I saw it because I was the one person when I saw this movie two thousand five. I was like, I actually like the Matrix movies. I'm okay with even more Matrix stuff in this. But ultimately, he struck a great balance, and the Wachowskis gave him tons of free reign to make it his own vision. It doesn't feel like a Wachowski-directed movie. I'll give James McTeague great credit for that. God, he's so incredibly Look at that. scared. Oh! <laughs> Speaking of Andalusia, I mean, he's like a conquistador here, right? I mean, this is... Uh, but the thing that's crazy, I guess he is this other being. Uh, oh, my God. So you know if you slip through. That's the point. So you know he's this other being that they created with that like he's like a monster at some level like he has special powers and but I do think he's done. I guess if he maybe had medical attention you could make and a, wanted to sorry you could make a Bjork music video just out of the uh shaved head Natalie Portman <laughs> shots in this movie seriously and the ro- and the roses at the, the end the roses and shaved Natalie Portman in various environments and various costumes no he's got nothing left dude. i wouldn't have done this i wouldn't have done this i'm sorry i'm sorry to rain everyone's parade so well, they already said done? their goodbyes it was sadder than but i'm the I worst, don't know, guys. Because- I, I, I like movies where everyone dies and no one gets to say goodbye i'm the worst <laughs> I think this is all part of it. The way every part of uh, her it whole matter. performances are so good. It doesn't matter. It's fantastic. <laughs> Look at her. Oh my I God. also, you know, in terms of all of our, we love our strong women characters. The way she's holding him and he's as he dies is the same way that it normally is. The reverse as the woman is being grasped by the man. You know, the the woman is grasping the man. She almost looks like them. the precog from Minority Report. She looks so bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> run! Oh, well, run! <laughs> that movie's so fucked up. Welcome to The Gap. Do you want that sweater you were looking at, Mr. Sakanaka? Favorite Tom Cruise movie? Favorite Steven Spielberg movie? Really? Mm-hmm. Not Top Gun? <laughs> No, I, I mean, like, I like my, as a nerd, the movie I, like, watch a lot and love is Minority Report, yeah. Shout out Jim Cash, East Lansing. I mean, I like Risky Business, too, but I'm not going to say it's my favorite Tom Cruise movie. Okay, here we go. God rest his soul. This is it. This is the optimism of the movie distilled into a single scene. This is it. The soldiers don't fire. The people come. And on top of that, spoiler alert, they pull off their masks. This is great. It might also be a Sinead O'Connor video. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, she looks like Sinead O'Connor, but the vibe is Bjork. Way prettier, though. Oh, the one... D- it couldn't have been planned any better for her to really make this decision. But she's already made it. 
This so just makes her the cynic, want to do it even The film more. cynic would say, oh, this is the perfect movie ending with the detective. You don't know whose side is on. Blah, 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 blah. But I think this is brilliant. You know why? Because he doesn't come with any backup on purpose. He wants to be convinced not to pull that trigger after all this. He, he wants to be... He just needs to be sure... In a Trump society, all these people would be gunned down. Maybe. I'm not sure. I don't think... I, I, I don't... I trust the U.S. Army way more than the Trump administration. I do not think the, the Army, if called in, would do it. If no you way. started walking towards a barricaded area... Nope. They're um, the most pro-American, patri- like truly patriotic people on the planet, most of the Army. They'll yeah, kill foreigners in a second, but they won't kill their wives and children. No way. They're not paid to think. It, that's not how it works. I like your optimism. Cops are much. I, I think I cops think are much dumber than op- the army. I think this is the most optimistic thing. Oh, yeah. I guess with this many people, it's a totally different thing. But, but if you're Trump and you tell him to fire, I mean, where do you go from there? He doesn't have that much control. Is the problem? Well, I guess this is this is what a coup d'état looks like from the outside in. I mean, a, a shooting in Florida leads to a child-led march on Washington. I mean, come on. You're not going to gun down a thousand people in bright Who daylight. the hell started caring about shooting of children? I thought we stopped caring about that. No, we did stop caring, but it did lead to a march that led to a lot of publicity. It, that publicity. Well, it's a good thing they got rid of drinking straws. I'm going to sip my beer through this AK-47 right now. <laughs> it's not good on the metal, man. It's going to corrode it. You know, I only have it for show. Sorry, I work. I was on the Air Force base. I I cleaned guns for three weeks. <laughs> that was my job. You need sort bear, sort bullets. Nope, cleaning guns. I uh, I, I got to hold like the fences. biggest fucking machine guns. Like I play Call I of Duty those, now. I'm like, that's nothing. I use those uh, uh, barb bar, not razor wire, barbed wire gloves, and we we. We rolled out barbed wire around fences. That's what we did on Sorrel. It wasn't awesome. Here we go. Let the mess come up. So the problem is, man, once you experience and understand Israeli society in regards to guns, unfortunately the saying guns don't kill people, people pe- kill people is actually true. But you don't want to support it as the liberal. This part at the end, what she, she, she says used to make me cry when I first saw this movie. I don't think it's going to happen now because I'm too excited and like ramped up. But to share, I am a movie crier. You can ask my fiance if You've I'm You've been lying. pretty restrained. No, I mean, this part, when, when she goes in, oh, maybe she could, she could still make me cry. I think I walked us this part both right here. through the uh, Dante's. What? All oh, right. Mhm. My lover. Oh man. He was me. He was everybody. This is is almost over the top optimistic at the end of this bloody rated R movie. That's so, great. This is the key, though. This is the key that you had to take off the mask and show. Still, no, there's a black person. A couple of black people. Oh, one black person. Okay. So they just unapologetically don't have any black The problem is there's tons of non-dystopian British movies that still don't have a lot of black people. Fair. Wait, that was... That looked like her 
Gabe that looked like the guy. Oh, yeah. yeah, they are. It is them. Yeah, they're showing all the old characters. Yeah, this movie's super heavy-handed, but that's one thing I love the Wachowskis. I'm totally fine with it. No, they're gratuitous, but almost to the point where it's not as cheesy as you'd imagine. What a way to end it. The soundtrack is great. Is the Stones? Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's great. There's the Wachowskis, not of the same name. Well, this is awesome, dude. I'm glad we got to get that bitter taste out with some, like, uh, pure sugar. Absolutely, man. Great. Absolutely. Uh, that was sweet. I guess the one theme I, wa- I had wanted to bring up I had forgotten about is that the Wachowskis, whether it's The Matrix or this or other properties like Sensei, talking to my dad, is that they're they're all about saving humanity, but specifically through specific relationships with other people. Like... That was the whole point of Neo and Trinity was Neo was the first one who it was more important to him, like an individual versus all of humanity. And so he told the matrix to go fuck themselves and they weren't expecting that here. It's about these two, how they change with each other. Since it's about these eight people who are like psychically connected to one another and you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I thought there would be more like Neo Morpheus connections, but they are so different. Um, especially because she trains him in a way, I guess will be my final big thought. Right. It, 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 in a way, I mean, she ends up having as big of an effect or more in his life than vice versa, I guess in a way. Yeah. I think she, he fell in love with her and I think her strength and everything she, that she was able to represent, um, made his martyrism more difficult. And I think that's what that scene was. It was hard. He knew he was going to eventually martyr um, to complete his vengeance. Uh, By the way, that's what he was living for. This is South Indian music with Malcolm Epps talking over the top. That pretty much sums it up. That's Um, great. Yeah. I mean, look, here's the big question. Here's the big question, Simi. And and then we'll, we'll close this thing up. That was a lot of fun. I can't wait to do more non star Wars commentaries to mix it up. It's really a nice change of pace. Um, which is, so Alan Moore, who wrote this in the eighties during the Reagan era claimed it was a tale about fascism versus anarchy. And he claimed other than them not involving him in the production of the movie. And so he didn't want to be involved with it, that they had turned it into a blatant liberal versus conservative Bush anti Bush tale, which I don't think is the case. Like the matrix, this does feel like chaos and anarchy, a fighting productive chaos anarchy fighting against control and fascism, not liberal versus conservative to me personally. Yeah, I, 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 I don't. That makes I think sense. it was. Yeah. No, I think that's the message that people like are confused about today, and yeah. I think this is actually a good point to to make and to end on that. Like, um, the media out there is not meant to be right or wrong. It's meant to report the facts that are given to them by uh, the resources that exist. So, for example, if the mayor of Annapolis said. Uh, Donald Trump did not want to lower the flags in honor of the journalists that were killed. And then he, later on, he decided to raise them. It's not fake news to report that originally he did not want that to happen because the mayor of Annapolis said that. So, so either the news is that the mayor of Annapolis is lying or the news is that 
this is actually happening. But just because inevitably they lowered the flags does not mean that it's fake news that somebody reported that Donald Trump didn't want to honor these journalists. I use as an example because that's the reality. And, and fake news is this quick trigger to discredit any type of media that is, is not uh, preaching the narrative that you're looking for. And that's, I think we're just getting away from it. So I, I, I hope for the best, but unfortunately, like, you know, proving what's right and what's wrong and what's up and what's down and the sky is blue, you know, we're far away from. So I hope eventually but, we're back to a better society, but, but proves, I fear this is where yeah, we're heading towards. But that proves the point, which is that if you are an active liberal, you should be promoting the forces of productive chaos and mild anarchy over the alternative. I mean, exactly. Joss Whedon does this with his properties. The Wachowskis do this with his. Pro- I mean, if you're, that's why I want you to watch Firefly because it's like Han Solo and uh, like to the extreme. But it, it, you know, I mean, Lucas too. I mean, Lucas was saying the same thing. I mean, that- who did Fight Club? Um, Fincher. Oh, okay. I was yeah, just David thinking it's, a, it's along the same lines. Of, yeah, you know, well, that's the, the thing. The 1999, reset. yeah, Fight Club came out. American Psycho came out. American Beauty came out. The Matrix came out. Like, that year was crazy wow. with the uh, talented Mr. Ripley, which also, I think, challenged society in a really crazy way. Um, yeah, but, uh, it made people uncomfortable. But I think what I'm saying is, man, you've got these liberal directors, rad- like almost radically liberal directors, but instead of making liberal versus conservative, they're making it chaos versus control why the reason is because that's the problem the liberals are having is they're trying to give the message we're trying to give you more freedom but they're scared to be called anarchist or communist still because of the cold war and the hippies and stuff you know and it's just bad branding and they're bad exactly. well, they, but they think it's bad branding is. if they just embraced it then who cares you know? They're bad branders. The Democratic Party yeah. is a bunch of bad branders. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. I'm saying they the best work. Yeah, I- I'm not giving the branding credit to the success of the conservatives. I'm giving it to the failure of the, of the liberals. Yes, exactly. That is a that is a great. Who cares way if they to- call you anarchists? Like that's, <laughs> you know, that's a great end to end on the failure of yeah. the Democrats. Yeah. and we'll be back to you next month with well, another that, edition of yeah, <laughs> but, but really quick. I mean, that's the thing. We were in the middle of the bush. We thought it would never end. And then we had eight years of relative political bliss, in my opinion, with Barack Obama. And now we're back in the shit again. So it's fitting that we watch that mo- this movie. But Pendulum you, of a clock. Yeah. but do you, back and forth. Do you agree with my overall comparison between this and Children of Men in our own society in terms of as long as it's just coming from the top, but society remains hopeful and feisty, you know, and willing to resist, like, you know what I mean? Like, as opposed to just everyone giving up hope, which is like the, the worst possible scenario. Right. No, if there's still hope, there's still spark. And if there's still spark, there's, there could be a rebellion. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what could be like, and as, as we all know, rebellions are built on hope. Absolutely. So with that, Bizzlecast listeners, I hope you enjoyed our... I was going to try and do like a a bunch of V words in a row, but I'm not smart or skilled enough to do it. Our Our viciously very victorious, vivacious... Vendetta... Vodcast. That we vindicated events this vodcast. (laughs) A vodcast is a video podcast, but you know what? I'm calling this a vodcast. There it is. V for Vendetta. Warner Brothers. Way to get one movie right every three years or so. Well done, WB. Goddamn motherfuckers. 
produce some good DC movies already. Jesus Christ. You've got Gal Gadot. Stop fucking around, you know? Make it happen. Yeah, make it happen. All right, Timmy. Thank you for being on, brother. All right, man. Thanks for having me. What do you want want to throw out as possible to do next? Just to see the BizzleCast listeners. Uh, Doesn't mean I what mean, we have Jedi's to do next. The, like, what would you like? Jedi's to do? in the round, but we, we might need to talk Potter. Let's, okay, let's let's, All right. let's, let's, let's talk. We'll discuss some Potter off screen. Thanks, Amy. Thank you, Bizzlecast listeners. We'll be back at you soon. Definitely check out the Lorecast series I got going with Jedi Geek Girl, uh, and um, uh, you can find the rest on Bizzlecast on social media. But for now, we are out.